everybody. Welcome to Absorbing Yellow SpongeBob Deep Dive, the podcast where me and my friends talk about the making of and our admiration for SpongeBob SquarePants. If you're just tuning in, welcome and goodbye. This is the last episode of a three-part series diving into the SpongeBob SquarePants movie and the culmination of a 15-ish month project of mine cataloging and praising the original run of SpongeBob SquarePants. I highly suggest you don't start with this episode. <laughs> and if you're returning, hi. I miss you. <laughs> Sorry I yelled at you last week. Okay, uh, we've got a wonderful episode planned for you today. Um, we've got some making ofs. We've got some trivia clocks. And we've got some, uh, one last, some, some last, some one last in-depth discussion into the movie itself. But before all of that, we've got a little bonus segment for you. A moderate dive into SpongeBob comics. everybody, welcome to Porous, a moderate dive into Spongebob comics, the podcast within a podcast where me and <laughs> talk about the making of and my appreciation for Spongebob comics. So basically an aspect of the Spongebob-averse that before this week I'd never really engaged with, but is still definitely very much connected to that original Spongebob crew, world, whatever you want to call it, is Spongebob comics. Spongebob Comics was a comic book series that ran from 2011 to 2018. Um, basically, I'm going to run through a little history of the comic, and then I'll give you my impressions on it. So, info on the making of Spongebob Comics. I'm pulling um, some from the Wikipedia article on it, but uh, mostly the majority of my knowledge is coming straight from the legend himself, Jay Lender, as he described it on the Cartoon Lunch podcast. As I've said many times before, go give that a listen, and then go give Jay a follow. Okay. So, to tell you about Spongebob Comics, I actually have to start a little bit earlier, um, go back a few years in time, um, and tell you about a smaller show with a little bit of a cult following. Probably haven't heard of it. Um, it's called The Simpsons. Back in the late 80s, cartoonist Matt Groening was writing a comic strip series called Life in Hell about a couple of rabbits um, or something. I don't really know. But it was a popular um, comic, Life in Hell. Um, well, around that same time, um, James L. Brooks, famous TV producer, um, discovers Life in Hell, um, discovers Matt Groening, really likes his work, um, and he just so happened uh, to be looking for cartoonists to bring into the production of the Tracy Ullman show. He wants to um, in include in the show these kind of animated shorts um, just interstitially um, throughout you know, uh, various episodes. So he discovers Groening, likes his work, and asks him if he would pitch to him an idea for animated shorts. He pitches to him The Simpsons, which, of course, do become shorts on The Tracy Ullman Show and later become their own 30-minute TV show um, in its own right. Well, when Groening is signing over the rights to The Simpsons to Fox, he makes sure to include in the deal that he personally would retain the sole rights to The Simpsons in any comic book form um, in the future. This is probably because... You know, Matt Groening loves comics. That's the world that he comes from. And he wanted to have his baby in that form. So The Simpsons uh, launches on Fox, blows up, right? Years later, 1993, Matt Groening founds Bongo Comics and through it publishes Simpsons Comics, later Futurama Comics, and a handful of other um, indie comic lines. 
Fast forward a few years now, Steve Hillenberg is about to sign a deal for SpongeBob SquarePants with Nickelodeon. Seeing the deal coming, Steve talks to one Craig Bartlett, creator of Hey Arnold, about who he should get as an entertainment lawyer. Craig Bartlett, uh, brother-in-law to Matt Groening. So Craig tells Steve about this entertainment lawyer um, that Matt Groening had. Steve goes through him, and he ends up getting the same deal that Groening did with Simpsons, where Steve retains the sole rights to SpongeBob in any comic book form. So as SpongeBob is taking off, Steve allows Nickelodeon Magazine to publish occasional SpongeBob comics, but the whole time he still has the sole um, rights. Eventually, Nick Magazine folds in 2009, rip, um, and, and in 2011... Steve officially begins publishing SpongeBob comics through, you guessed it, Bongo Comics. Steve hires Chris Duffy, who had been the editor of the comic book section at Nickelodeon Magazine, um, to come in and manage SpongeBob comics. Not only was he the man for the job, as proven through his past work with SpongeBob, but he also had tons of connections to professional comic book artists and writers, um, both from the big mainstays, you know, your DCs, your Marvels, but also um, from the indie comic scene. And SpongeBob Comics becomes this wild grab bag of all sorts of different artists and writers. I'm just writing these short, silly stories about SpongeBob and his friends. On top of that, there's no requirements as far as art style goes. So, um, you know, a lot of these comics will look just like the show, but a ton of them look absolutely nothing like SpongeBob SquarePants. Steve oversees all of it, um, and each issue um, has a handful of these stories. I mean, they're published every other month, um, and then eventually once a month. You've got big name contributors on it um, that maybe you'd know just if you're you know into comics, but also there's tons of names um, working on it that uh, you or I would know uh, just from listening to this podcast, including Derek Dryman, Sam Henderson, Kaz, and Jay Lander, just to name a few. So basically, this past week I picked up SpongeBob Comics Treasure Chest, which is a collection of some of the best comics as handpicked by Steve Hillenberg himself. Um, I was honestly going to pick it up for the podcast anyway, but um, this description um, listed online for it really sold me. It says, quote, um, SpongeBob Comics Treasure Chest is a deluxe collection of the best uh, previously published SpongeBob Comics stories, specially selected by creator Steven Hillenburg and geared toward the first generation of SpongeBob fans. And maybe that's just ad speed geared to hook nostalgic millennials like me, but I think that it's probably true um, since Steven Hillenburg oversaw the whole thing himself. Um, it just, it naturally feels a lot like that original uh, run of Spongebob. <sighs> okay. So that's Spongebob Comics. So my impressions of Spongebob Comics, I liked it. It was really nice. Um, I'm holding it here in, in front of my very hands. Holding it in front of my hands. Here, you can hear it. That's the sound of the outside. Here's what the pages sound like. Can you smell it? Um, no, yeah, I, I I think that I really love this. I you know, it's funny like a lot of them, they're they're just they're really nice and they're really cute. Um, some of them genuinely are very funny. I think that my favorite ones were probably the big cover up, um, and uh, I shall destroy all the civilized planktons were probably the two standouts for me. But there's a, there's a ton in this collection. Um, if you're interested at all, I'd say see if you can check it out um, from your local library or just you know pick up a copy. But um, it's got a ton of um, SpongeBob comics in it. It's got a ton of these funny, weird, like um, fake uh, ads like that you would have in an old comic book or honestly in like a Mad Magazine or something. And, and they're just, I don't know. I don't know how to describe them. They're super weird. Like I'm looking at one that's an ad for only 198. 
um, a 350,000 piece plankton set <laughs> shipped straight to you in heavy duty uh, drum barrel. So this is really funny. Um, dude, this one was nuts. Uh, SpongeBob consumer pants in the consumer is always right. Um, it's like this like Russian, not propaganda, but it's just nuts. I don't know. I'm, this is horrible podcast content probably, but like some of them are just like, yeah, this is a story about SpongeBob getting into some hijinks and bothering Squidward, you know, but then there are some like, um, the Plankton one that I said earlier is like very much in like that kind of like Jack Kirby style, uh, old Marvel comic. That's just like so weird. And it's like drawn super weird and stuff. Um, the, uh, consumer is always right. One that I was telling you about the whole thing is just, it's drawn like, Russian um propaganda posters. Oh, what what is that time period of art called? I'm not gonna remember. Dang, I could have looked smart for you, but and then in the back of the uh collection they have a pr- a um yeah print of uh issue number one of SpongeBob Comics. I mean I read through all of that as well. So I read most of it. Um there's a long series of um Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy comics in the back of the collection that I've not yet read, um, but I'm very excited to. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just I really like it. It some of them, they're they all feel like this, but specifically there are some comics that are like less comic and more game, if that makes sense. Where it's kind of like you know there there's one in the back of um like the uh, issue number one that's like. Uh, make your own joke where it's like got a whole bunch of like parts of a joke and it's almost like a maze that you can and then there's one that's like not really a comic but it's oh gosh I'm doing such a bad job of describing this there's just it's really cute um, and very wholesome and I think that it reminds me a lot of Nickelodeon magazine I, I never was um, subscribed to Nick magazine I wish I followed the, the commercials instructions and told my parents I wanted Nick magazine, but I guess we did not have the money to uh, shell out, no pun intended, that much once a month. Um, but I did get them every so often, um, you know, like from this classic book fair or if I saw one at the store and just, I don't know, was in my parents' good graces that day. And I loved reading the different comics, the SpongeBob comics, the uh, Sam Henderson comics, stuff like that. Um, and so naturally with it being Chris Duffy, I'm working on um, SpongeBob comics as well. It makes sense that it would feel the same, but it just, it kind of like, it rekindled um, that uh, piece for me. Oh, this one was nuts too. Where did it go? Oh gosh, I lost it. There's one where SpongeBob uh, goes into the future and basically like destroys all of civilization because he litters and it's like drawn so yeah here it is uh what is it called bikini bottom wasteland the art style is nuts anyway i've talked enough about this it's really nice i like it um i'd recommend that you read it with your eyeballs i'll get you two you're nothing but pure evil just like newspaper comics all right that's enough uh, for, of, of that. that. That's a, okay. That's enough. <laughs> um, thank you. I hope that you enjoyed uh, the uh, one-off um, podcast within a podcast. Porous, uh, moderate dive into SpongeBob comics. Um, but let's now return to our regularly scheduled last ever trivia o'clock. Trivia clock for the SpongeBob SquarePants movie part three. David Hasselhoff acting as a lifeguard in this movie is a nod to his role as Mitch Buchanan from the TV series 
Baywatch. In a Q&A, Derek Dryman um, was asked if there were any jokes that he can remember that were cut from the film. Um, he shares not about a joke that was cut, but rather one in particularly that Steve wrote that is in the film. Um, he says that Steve kept trying to pitch this one joke to the other writers, but it just kept bombing. So he kept reworking it and reworking it. Eventually, he said, screw it. I'm keeping it in the film. <laughs> and then at the premiere, uh, the joke plays and no one laughs. Mark Osborne recalls that um, Steve leans over to him um, during the screening and says, the audience is stupid. <laughs> so Derek laughs uh, and says, sometimes you just have to keep a joke in, even if no one else thinks it's funny. I personally would not know what that's like, though. This was the last traditionally animated film from Paramount Pictures and Nickelodeon Movies until its successor, the SpongeBob movie Sponge Out of Water in 2015, which was released approximately 11 years later. The footage of crashing waves seen during the end credits is the same footage used in the season one episode Ripped Pants. Uh, a larger-than-life David Hasselhoff figure was built so that the live-action crew could film all of their needed macro photography without making the real Hasselhoff lay uh, still in splashing water for two weeks. The model is about 15 feet, 750 pounds, and is partially made of yak hair. In 2014, the model was put up for auction, but ended up being pulled by Hasselhoff himself before it was sold. Um, and then, as we covered earlier this year, uh, the model again went up for auction, along with much of Hasselhoff's estate. Um, it had been tied with the kit car from the series Knight Rider uh, for the highest price at the auction, um, that being $975,000. Um, the auction house uh, later then retracted the bid, though, and it seems that the current top bid on it is $100,000. So um, if you have a million dollars or so, um, go buy it and take a picture for me um, and post it to Yelp. Uh, other items for the film um, are up for grabs uh, include David Hasselhoff's signed swim trunks um, and his face mold used to make the model. So that's cool. Steven Hillenburg shares on the bonus features of the DVD part of the thinking behind Squidward's design. Uh, he liked how octopi have these large round heads and octopi are obviously very smart um, animals. And so he thought it would be fitting for Squidward's character um, to have him be an octopus. Uh, Squidward, who thinks he's an intellectual, would of course have have a large round head. Also, though he's an octopus, he has six legs for the simplicity of animating and is named Squidward because, quote, it sounds funnier. And then here's a bonus trivia for you um, that's totally unrelated to the film, but on the subject of character origins. Uh, we've mentioned before how SpongeBob was originally going to be named SpongeBoy, with the show being titled SpongeBoy Ahoy, um, but this had to be changed due to a copyright conflict with a mop. Uh, you've maybe wondered how Steve then arrived at SpongeBob SquarePants for the name, the character, and the show. And the bonus features on another DVD, Steve describes one of his early meetings with Tom Kenny, where Tom uh, looked in the mirror um, and in SpongeBob's voice said, oh, what's a sponge with square pants and a tie, thinking that I could get a job at a fast food restaurant. He then says that he thought the phrase square pants was really funny uh, and would work perfectly as his name, as it both described him physically um, and who he was at his core, that being a clean-cut, starchy, well-meaning nerd. As for SpongeBob, uh, the first half of his name, I've never had this confirmed, but my guess is that it was a combination of A, it sounding like SpongeBoy, and B, um, drawing from his old intertidal zone comic character Bob the Sponge. And then while we're at it, um, here's a bonus bonus trivia for you. Here's the very first recording of Tom Kenny as SpongeBob with Steven Hillenburg reading the lines of Squidward. Hundreds of creatures swim through these doors every day in our undersea community, depending on you to serve them nutritious, delicious, reasonably priced food in a clean, family-friendly wow. environment. Look! 
I've been standing around on my tentacles since 8 o'clock this morning, and I don't have the strength to listen to this. Who depends on you, you may ask? Well, let's just start with the A's. Nope. Aaron Anchovy. Nope. LB Albacore. I just, I just think that's nice. When Plankton calls the crust crab at the beginning of the film, he pretends to be uh, the man Mr. Krabs allegedly sold Neptune's crown to and introduces himself as Clay. Clay is the name of Steven Hillenburg's son. The song Goofy Goober Rock is a parody of the song I Wanna Rock by Twisted Sister. The end credits list a song titled Song Dedicated to the Giant Squid of the World by the Snails. According to Carlos Palacio, uh, who co-wrote the song, it is the four-second-long rock instrumental that plays at the end of the thug-tug scene during the bar fight while SpongeBob and Patrick escape. In one scene, there are two fish headbanging to Goofy Goober Rock. Um, They are a reference to the characters from the MTV cartoon Beavis and Butthead as the two fish have the same color scheme and hair color as them. Motorhead went to the studio to record a child-friendly version of their number You Better Run for the film called You Better Swim. And then finally, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie is dedicated to Jules Engel. Jules Engel was an American filmmaker, painter, sculptor, graphic artist, set designer, and animator. Uh, In 1990 or 91, um, when Steven Hillenburg visited Cal Arts first to see about going back to school for art, uh, Jules Engel was the head of the experimental animation department. Um, Steven Hillenburg talks about it some in The Origin of SpongeBob SquarePants. I actually went up to CalArts and brought all my paintings with me. I had no animation experience and uh, you know no films. And I met with Jules Engel, who was the head of the experimental animation program there. And he looked at my work and and said, "You belong here." You know, immediately, and it, it totally changed my life. Hillenburg also later said of Jules Engel, quote, not only was Jules Engel a seminal figure in the history of animation, he also had a profound influence on countless generations of animators. He truly was the most influential artistic person in my life. I consider him my art dad. So that's just a nice little note to end on for our final trivia o'clock. All right, now let's jump into uh, our, our last making ofs. Something I like to call the making oven. No, I've never called it that, and I don't like calling it that. And don't call it that. Okay, <laughs> making up for the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Let's see, where, where do we leave off? No, I got Squidward organizing the whole thing. He's, you know, artsy. What the? This looks expensive. Uh, uh yes. So last week we left off. I'm talking about the music and score of the film. So this week I thought that it would be appropriate to talk a little bit more about the movie's soundtrack. <laughs> So, for those not familiar, when you hear someone refer to a movie's score, um, they're referring to the orchestrated instrumental music that's typically written for that specific movie, made to fit each specific scene. The soundtrack, on the other hand, typically refers to the list of songs associated with the movie. Usually, the studio will uh, release a soundtrack on CD. Um, you can usually buy it like right before the movie comes out or right after. Um, and this album um, can be all the music found in the film. It can be music written for the soundtrack, but not actually in the movie, um, or often it's a combination of both. For example, the most well-known movie score in the Marvel Universe is no doubt The Avengers. While the most well-known movie soundtrack is easily Guardians of the Galaxy. Typically for the soundtrack, uh, it's one of the last things worked on in a movie's production, as was the case for the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Um, And boy, as I'm sure you could have guessed, I think that this freaking soundtrack freaking rules. (laughs) It's way 
better than it has any right to be. It's so SpongeBob, and more specifically, it's so Steven Hillenburg. I want to go off about it myself, um, but I think that it will be probably more entertaining for you if I just read to you straight uh, from an article published October 4th, 2004 by The Fader, which is a uh, New York-based music magazine and a very cool name for a magazine. Um, this comes via um, author Matt Dufour. says, quote, The SpongeBob SquarePants movie will be released in theaters on November 19th, but before it hits the big screen, fans will be able to purchase the film soundtrack. Why, you ask? Should you give a sh**? <laughs> well, the SpongeBob soundtrack out November 9th is a literal who's who of indie rock excellence. The set features contributions from Wilco, The Shins, Ween, One Half of the Dust Brothers, Electrocute Motorhead, and more. Even the flaming lips get, get in on the action as their uh, SpongeBob and Patrick confront the psychic wall of energy will be the album's lead single. Quote, I actually suggested that maybe I could try to get Justin Timberlake to do a duet with us as an off-the-cuff idea, Flaming Lips frontman Wayne Coyne told MTV News. But Nickelodeon series creator Stephen Hillenburg said, I don't want any of those commercial weirdos on there. I don't like those commercial people. I like you guys and Wilco and Ween. That's the end of the quote. Sorry, I read a quote within a quote. I'm sure that was a little bit confusing, but I love that so freaking much. Steven Hillenburg basically handpicked music that he liked. It was a very boss move. Um, is that cool to say? It's probably not. I'm overthinking it. That was a very epic move. That was a very poggers move, Steven Hillenburg. So yeah, he, he handpicks uh, uh, music that he likes, but I think that that's appropriate because um, these literally were the sounds that inspired the making of the show. So you recall one of the times um, that we had Matt Constant on the show, we talked a little bit about Ween's album, The Mollusk, and how Steven Hillenburg listened to that while he was working on the show as inspiration. Well, uh, Ween would eventually write the song Loop-de-Loop for the show, um, and the last song on The Mollusk, Ocean Man, closes out the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Uh, here's more on the sound of the soundtrack um, from Wayne Coyne, uh, Flaming Lips frontman. says, quote, it's what we call uh, reasonably weird adult music. I don't think a lot of people consider Wilco weird. Well, maybe a few of the records are weird. There's kind of that post radio headishness <laughs> that goes on now that people accept as uh, being weird uh, or sophisticated or something. And Wilco definitely falls into that. Hillenberg wanted people who liked SpongeBob, who felt some kinship with the characters and the absurdness and surrealness of it. And I truly think the show is clever and funny and sick. And then here's a quote from Wilco lead singer Jeff Tweedy. Um, he was asked to be on the soundtrack after one of the film's pr producers uh, noticed a SpongeBob air freshener um, in his car uh, in a Wilco documentary. Um, Tweedy says, quote, I fell in love with SpongeBob when I heard him describe the darkness at the bottom of the sea as, quote, advanced darkness. How can I not write a song for him? It automatically makes me the coolest dad on the block. I think you're a cool dad, Jeff Tweedy, and I think that there are a lot of cool dads um, on this album. So I've already read, um, you know, the uh, number of the artists, but just let this fall on you how nuts this lineup is. This album's got Avril Lavigne. Sing the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song. The Flaming Lips, Wilco, Mike Simpson remixing the Goofy Goober song. It's got Prince Paul. It's got Electrocute, The Shins, Ween. It's got Plus Tech Squeeze Box singing the Jellyfish song by the Jellyfish Band, whatever that is. Um, and then, of course, it's also got you know songs from the movie Now That We're Men, Goofy Goober Rock, uh, the pirate version of the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song. Nuts. So that's the book of the songs, right? 
Well, Steven Hillenburg was putting together the SpongeBob movie soundtrack nearing the end of it, uh, but he needed just a couple more songs to pad the whole thing out. Meanwhile, Tom Kenny and Andy Paley were hard at work on an album for Nickelodeon um, that would actually feature the cast of characters of the show singing original songs and connected by sort of a radio show setup. Um, Steve heard uh, the early versions of two of these songs, namely Under My Rock and the best day ever, and liked them so much he decided that they would work well to finish off the soundtrack, um, with the latter obviously appearing in the film's credits. The soundtrack was released on November 9th, 2004, and on November 19th, the night before the film's premiere, uh, the Flaming Lips performed Spongebob and Patrick confront the psychic wall of energy on Late Night with Conan O'Brien. So anyway, the soundtrack rules. You can imagine nine-year-old me just jamming out to uh, this CD all the time, having no clue who any of these artists are. And then late high school, early college, I'm sort of, you know, discovering indie music. Um, I'm listening to more than just like my dad's Beatles albums or whatever. And I'm like, wait, the shins, the flaming lips. Where have I heard these names before? (laughs) You know. So anyway, that's enough about the soundtrack. Go listen to the shins. Um, They're very good. But before you do that, let's talk about the movie's release. So what do you want to do now? I don't know. How about a movie? Okay, so leading up to the film's release, there's obviously going to be a ton of promotional material, marketing, and merchandise. Um, the New York Times article that we've been quoting the past couple of weeks, um, he lives in a pineapple, but then what? Uh, it actually goes a fair amount into the show and movie merchandising, as well as Hillenberg's strong feelings about it. Basically, um, he felt that, you know, using his characters to market ice cream or candy is one thing, as those are typical uh, typical kid fare that are very obviously not good for you. But he felt very strongly uh, and, and was very strongly opposed to them being used to market specifically fast food, which he says, quote, has hidden additives and is much less transparent about how bad it is for kids. Um, in the article, Sherm Cohen um, adds, quote, Stephen has a firm rule that SpongeBob can't interact with a product. At one point in one of the new commercials, uh, SpongeBob fries his burgers on a grill, which is the antithesis of the Burger King method, which is flame broiling. And they actually said, we need to change this and have SpongeBob cooking on a flame broiler. And Steve just said, nope, take it or leave it. If you want the toys, that's uh, what SpongeBob uses. He later adds um, that while he, Sherm, was excited when the flood of SpongeBob toys began, um, Steve was not so much saying, quote, my biggest nightmare is that I'm going to be at the beach one day. One of these dolls is going to wash up on the shore like garbage. But so the movie did do a tie-in with Burger King, as I'm sure you probably remember, um, ahead of the film's release. Um, This is, you know, one of the many times that um, they did a tie-in with Burger King, having toys and stuff um, at uh, their stores. But this one was definitely much bigger than any of the others that they had done before, or honestly, probably since, other than maybe the other film releases. Basically, they had 12 different toys in their kids' meals, uh, had five different SpongeBob watches for sale at about $2 each um, that you could buy with the purchase of a value meal. And then on top of this, about 47 700 Burger King stores were given nine foot inflatable SpongeBob's to have uh, placed on the roofs during the promotion. They've done this uh, like with similar things like Star Wars, Shrek, Mario. Well, for some reason, all at once, this is a very odd story. 
Dozens of these SpongeBob inflatables began to go missing all across the country as soon as they start the promotion. Burger King actually uh, offered a reward, an official reward. They like released an official statement giving a reward for a year's supply of Whoppers for, quote, information leading to the safe return of missing SpongeBob SquarePants inflatables. Over time, the balloons started popping up places, um, including one which was discovered on the football field at Wartburg College in Waverly, Iowa. Shout out to Iowa. Always looking good in front of the country. Another was found missing with a ransom note reading, quote, we have SpongeBob. Give us 10 Krabby Patties fries and milkshakes. Um, something, something free balloon day joke. There was obviously a ton more promotional tie-ins for the film, including books and a video game. Um, that's the most interesting stuff, I think. And I don't really care about NASCAR. So we'll leave it there. Okay. So November 14th comes. The film has its yellow carpet world premiere at Grauman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood, California, just five days before the film's release. The whole crew is there. Scarlett Johansson is there in all yellow. You can look up photos of the event. It's the most early 2000s celebrities and fashions <laughs> you've ever seen. And Derek Dryman reflects on this uh, on the Stuff Said podcast saying, quote, it was the perfect thing. The movie released and it was really exciting and it was just getting bigger and bigger we had like a limousine and we pull out and it was like these big yellow carpets going to the movie theater. It was like, wow, what an arc. We started in Steve's living room and then it ended at the Chinese theater in Hollywood. And man, what an arc indeed. So in that 2004 New York Times article, um, it ends with this note. It says, quote, Many SpongeBob fans have wondered if Mr. Hillenburg wants to expand his reach to build a Walt Disney-like empire of characters. Mr. Tibbet, the writer and producer who has been with the show from the beginning, said that's not what interests him. He'd rather paint or draw. He doesn't have a list of 10 other shows he wants to sell. This is it for him. And dude, I just really freaking respect that. Like, I, I include that last quote, those last couple quotes, because A, I mean, let me just read that again. We started in Steve's living room and then it ended at the Chinese theater in Hollywood. That is so freaking awesome. <laughs> and, I, and I read that second quote because I just have so much respect for like, you know, Steve Hillenburg, like he just, he did the thing, you know, he and the whole crew did the thing. They made the thing. And then for him personally, he starts this thing. He's like, it'd be cool if we even got to do a pilot. And then it'd be cool if we got to do a full season. And then, dude, that'd be nuts if we got picked up again. And it just continues to balloon and balloon until it ends with a movie. And then, like, he is able to confidently be like, I did it. That's it. And now I'm just going to go paint or draw or do something else, you know. Super cool. So the host of the Stuff Said podcast, um, Greg Shegel, um, goes on to ask Derek in that episode if he thinks the fact that the overwhelming success um, coming after SpongeBob was done helped it not affect them while they were making it. And Derek responds with this, quote, Well, the big thing for that is that Steve, remember, like day one, when we were in his living room, he just said, I want to do 60 and I want to be done. He had a really specific idea of what a television show was. It's 60 half hours and that's all you need. No one wants any more than that. And then you're done and you just leave them wanting more. And that's what they did, man. Is it not? I mean, well, in a sense, obviously to us on our end, um, it only took us a couple months uh, to learn that they would in fact be coming out, you know, with the fourth season and episodes would keep coming out um, and the show would continue after that. 
Paul Tibbet was handed the reins. Steve stepped back to an executive producing role. And Nickelodeon got their wish for more SpongeBob, um, while mostly still respecting Steven Hilberg's creative wishes and integrity. And, you know, we don't talk about season four on a lot on this show. And honestly, like, I don't judge you uh, if you love season four on, and I don't judge you if you hate it. <laughs> you know, if you're like most people, you probably um, have an appreciation for some of the episodes and vaguely remember catching most of them as they came out, at least before your view- viewership, you know, slowly petered out and we all turned into old people. But anyway, that's for another podcast to cover for us here today. And on this podcast, this marks the end of our journey. That's my friends, is the making of the original run of 60 shows and a movie. And that's all I have to share. I tried to dig up uh, as much as I could. Hopefully, um, I only got a few major details wrong. And hopefully you learned something. And hopefully you found it a little interesting. And hopefully we've all learned a valuable lesson that the true journey was the friends that we made along the way. I don't know why I wrote so many hopefully statements. Anyway, hey, this podcast, you know, this is the podcast where me and my friends talk about the making of and our admiration for SpongeBob SquarePants. So I apologize for talking, you know, so with such finality and all that, um, because we're not done. All right. Mom, mom, get out. We're not done. We're not done yet. I'm sorry. Just trying to go out on the worst episode ever. No, this is the podcast where uh, me and my friends talk about the making of and our admiration for SpongeBob SquarePants, and we've only talked about the making of part. So let's finish admiring. Without further ado, let's jump back into our conversation with Morgan. Are we dead? I don't think so. Artificially colored rocks? I don't know where we are. What is this? It's some kind of wall of psychic energy. No, Pat, it's a giant glass bowl. Hey, there's some fish folk. Hey! Hey! Over here! Hey, hey, you guys! guys! Hey! 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 Help! Little help here! Help us out, okay? Huh? Wait a second. Th- those fish are dead. Wow, crazy that you can give birth to the James Bond song. (laughs) (laughs) And how how do you do that? I don't know if they still do that. Wouldn't wouldn't it be more like... (laughs) That's what I did. Oh, I see. And then you get to drink. What? Which some people do. What? What is that? What? He drinks. James Bond. What? He drinks that one drink. What does that have to do with giving birth some people drink after they give birth oh mm-hmm. maybe not right away but oh wait i thought i was gonna sneeze but i didn't hey everybody welcome back to absorbing yellow spongebob deep dive we're back with morgan say hi morgan oh 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 <laughs> 
What? what? I know what I, I know what I, the stallion. Okay. You know what's your girl. Stop. Okay, that's enough. Um, <laughs> I love Kiki Palmer. I was uh, Kiki. Kiki. Spelled differently, Kiki, Kiki Palmer's delivery service. Um, Heck yeah. They, uh, they, you, you wit, you what? So Morgan was telling me earlier, she, she kept trying, to, well, she, I've had, I felt all sorts of things today. Mm. So for one, Morgan texted me at, at while well, I was at work today, and she was mm-hmm. like, "We could watch the rest of the SpongeBob movie and record the podcast tonight." Mm-hmm. And it kind of caught me off guard because we usually record on like a Friday or a Saturday, yeah. or you know, worst case scenario, a Sunday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the worst. Well, worst then for I, you. Yeah. I, yeah, I stay up and edit. <laughs> I'm like, good night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the news, baby. But uh, <laughs> but it caught me off guard, and I was like, oh my gosh! And it there felt it something there was something so final about it because I was like it's here yeah. you know like and i and i for some reason thought like i'll have another day to process it or mm-hmm. something you know so i already was feeling all, all sorts of ways that in that regard but then today morgan we start the movie and i literally asked so many times like you sure that you're good to record it tonight like if you're tired we don't need to record it or whatever you mm-hmm. know and then we get halfway through like the rest of the film <laughs> our pizza gets delivered we start eating and then morgan goes oh no <laughs> and then she's like I don't know how to tell you this and then is all like nervous and stuff but then basically is like I don't know if no what, what did you say you said no, I, I, said, I, I said, think said, that you might know me better than I know myself yeah dramatically <laughs> I threw myself back in the couch and said, yeah. I think you might know me better than I know myself Yeah. and then you said what and I said I can't tell you <laughs> yeah and then I said you're too tired to record the podcast no thing. no no you didn't oh uh, well then you, you said, said that and then I said I said I'll tell you later when did okay, when did you tell then me that? when the movie ended? Oh yes, I was that's like, right. we're gonna just turn on all the lights. Uh huh. Well, no, because first you said that you were too tired, and I was like, that's yeah. fine, that's fine, that's fine. We'll record another time. And then I was like, maybe Friday. And then I was like, ooh, no, we don't have time to record it Friday. Nope. Or you don't. Um, this well, is a really you don't. This is a really don't. great story. I'm just kidding. No, uh, the, the point of all this is that then I was like, are you sure that you can record it tonight? And then Morgan, all shy, said, I think I'm just nervous. <laughs> and I was like, you're nervous. Morgan, could you share with us why you're nervous? Why you're a little bit nervous? Because it's the last one. So I knew that I would be nervous. I don't want to be a disappointment. Oh my gosh, that's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we naturally will feel some undue pressure of like, it's the last episode of the podcast. This mm-hmm. has to be like the perfect conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's impossible. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. So what we have to do, Morgan, is we just have to just talk about SpongeBob. It's true. And then full send it, you know. Just hit send. Get that yawn out. Get that yawn out. The yawns are on our end. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and if it's nice to record on a Thursday because uh-huh. if if we have because we have our conversation and then yeah, if we true. forget something that we really wanted to say we still have a few days to add so it back. a few days to add it add it back dog okay so anyway um adirondack what <laughs> add it back dog um i don't want to ask you <laughs> what you just moved <laughs> <laughs> okay um what was i gonna t- okay so so we've opened up 
on the film. We're jumping into SpongeBob now. Yes. Good. Okay. Um, we we ended last week with uh, the Cyclops carrying them off mm-hmm. into the distance. Yeah, with the boot. Um, oh, here here's a good way to start. This will get us into the conversation. Okay. I wrote down several things that we forgot to talk about last yes. week. We don't have to take too much time on these, but uh, I wrote down things we forgot to talk about. The music. The music is so good. I don't know what that's referring to. I assume just like the score, but but yeah, the music yeah, is so good. You kept saying it, it's like it's so epic. Oh, it's, that's right. It's yeah. So big. Uh huh. Um, and then uh, the slavery. We last week we we're like mm-hmm. we'll talk about slavery later in the episode, and then and forgot then to bring it up yeah. or whatever because we didn't talk about it after that one clip or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but so just really briefly, all that I was gonna say was that I I felt that the um the imagery was very Prince of Egypt esque, yeah. and even with like they're building like very Roman looking stuff or whatever you know, um I agree that I don't think that they would use the word slavery today, but I don't yeah, think slaves, that they yeah. yeah I don't think that they meant meant it any right. sort of way you right know, no I agree or whatever but um those are our thoughts the, he's literally like. I don't know the the way that it shot looked like almost exactly like Prince of Egypt. Prince to of me, Egypt, but... yeah. Anyway, did which you have has it? one of one of the best soundtracks I've heard. I've never seen the film. Oh. <laughs> um, and then isn't it Christian? I mean, I I guess kind of. It's like a Bible story, but um, from the studio that brought you. My, one of my movies. From the studio that brought you, <laughs> guess. I don't know. Just guess. Shoot from the hip. Uh, Pixel Perfect. What? What is that? <laughs> that's a that's a Disney Channel original movie. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were gonna say Pixels, which would be equally stupid. The Adam Sandler film. Uh-oh. No, Shrek. The from the studio that brought Shrek! you. Shrek. <laughs> yes. I love Shrek. I know that you do. DreamWorks. Shrek 2 is the They best. really, there's a real fork in the road moment for DreamWorks. <laughs> They're like, Prince of Egypt. Shrek, Shrek. came out. They're like, Shrek, Shrek. it is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay. Um, two two more quick notes. Said, One. Can't we just settle this over a pint? <laughs> no. This is the second time. <laughs> then what does he say? Finish the quote. Does he say, all right then? This is so funny. Listeners will recall this came up on the podcast a couple weeks ago. You weren't on the episode, but I like fully quoted that scene. And then literally that line was like, I can't remember what he says after that. So we just got a a stupid hive mind. Um, Oh, I, I, we have group think. Sorry. There's two of us that live here. Okay. And then uh, I forgot to shout this out last week, but I think that it's worth saying is a very underrated is like how brilliant it is. Um, when Plankton activates all the mind control devices, and yeah, Mm -hmm. makes a very satisfying sound. But then Karen, the his computer wife, says, "Now activating brain control devices," and I was Mm -hmm. just like, "That is so such a good like SpongeBob e Mm -hmm. like thing where it's like this sci-fi thing." But I don't think twice about the fact that it's like this thick Minnesotan accent coming out of this robot. Yeah, and I'm sure like. My parents watching this film with me were like, what am I watching? Right. But to me, I'm just like, it's Karen. Yeah. So I just love that. And then finally. um, I mean, it is truly funny that her name's Karen. It is. Well, so Karen was the um, uh, wife of Steven Hillenburg. Which we love. That was was his wife's name. And Karen is played by Tom Kenny's wife. 
Cute. Voice of SpongeBob. Keep it in Isn't the family. Keep it in the family. Exactly. Um, and uh, I already said this in Trivia Clock, Morgan, but just to round it out, um, it, when Plankton uh, calls the Krusty Krab and is like, hey, uh, Mr. Krabs, thanks for selling me the crown. He says, uh, hey, it's Clay here. Clay, mm-hmm. Stephen Hilmerich's son. Cute. Isn't that adorable? Yeah. Uh, anyway, last uh, little note is um, the transition to live action. Um, I, I had noticed when we were watching it last week that... I really appreciated uh, after they've um, made it out of the trench, everything's just like really gnarly looking and it's yeah. like gnarly barnacles and stuff, which I think that we did point out. Yeah. But what I, f- what I forgot to point out, yeah, and you pointed out how good the sand looked. I, what I forgot to add was that it acts as this like really clever way to A, make the um, the scuba diver not seem super out of place mm-hmm. and B, to like gradually transition you into like them being in live action, you know? Right. Well, because, yeah, it's it's all, like, murky and mm-hmm. not bright. Mm-hmm. But then it is interesting, because, like, the shack, yeah, Shell City is dingy. Right, But right. outside, it's just as bright as SpongeBob It's just a car. beach. Right. Yes, that's true. And, it, you know, I even, I have a note in my notes, um, which is where I keep my notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, later in the film, when... Um, when I almost called him Steven Hillenberg, when Dave, David Hasselhoff makes it to Bikini Addle and he's about to send them down to Bikini Bottom to the Krusty Krab, I just wrote down, like, how do they make water look cartoony? You right. know, like even going the other way and it's like all bright and cheery, mm-hmm. they like make it look like it's not just like an ocean. Yeah. You know, it's but it's, like it's not. Blue and- I mean, they do a good job of it, like. Not being like the uncanny, yeah. Where it would, like take your brain out of it of like uh-huh. I'm, I am disturbed. It's so interesting. I mean, it's done so well. I mean, I'll talk yeah. more about it later, but it really is like very. It's like SpongeBob's twists on that kind of Who Framed Roger Rabbit type. Like they are cartoons, but they're interacting with the physical world. Yeah. With him just like picking up the rocks in the fishbowl or right. like when they're on the beach and, and the uh, tide comes up and kind of washes yeah. over SpongeBob's hands. I was just like, how did they do Like it's so well animated. Right. You know? And I'm like, it was made a long time ago. It was. Yeah. Friggin' 2004. Shout out to Rough Draft Studios based in uh, South Korea. Ooh. So. Okay, so um, SpongeBob and Patrick um, realize that they are trapped <laughs> behind some sort of uh, psychic wall of energy um, when the Cyclops appears. Um, we have this horrifying body torture scene ah. um, of <laughs> Alexander Clam Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, the this scene, there is so much. I mean, you got to talk about pathos with this scene. You know, uh. like it's so uh. heart wrenching. But with Pathos, there's so many constant jokes where I'm like, I'm laughing and crying all the way through. You know what I mean? And so right before what I'm about to play, um, uh, SpongeBob says something to the effect of like, he's going to turn us into um, like cheesy knickknacks. And then it cuts to a a wider shot and Patrick goes, you think? Mm -hmm. And he's like just pulling him up out of the... No, no, he says... I think we're and I think we're next. Oh, and I think and then we're he's next. He's pulling yeah. him up, and he's like, "You think so?" <laughs> yeah, but he's not being sarcastic. No, he's, he's like just serious, being earnest, yeah. and it's just. But there's so many lines like that. So. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, uh, Morgan. What? That's my name. Why did you say Morgan? <laughs> because 
Well, sometimes people, you were gesturing at me, oh, and you're like, uh, okay. uh, uh. So, I just didn't know how to set up this next clip. So they're about to get freaking dead. Right. What's he gonna do with us? Like they're in the bowl. Right. Oh no, he's going for his evil instruments of torture. Making a humorous diorama of Alexander Clam Bell! Patrick, he's killing sea animals and making them into smelly knickknacks! And I think we're next! You think so? And then they get set underneath mm. the heat lamp. Mm-hmm. I forgot that I was going to play this clip. I don't know why <laughs> I just described really like, the whole thing. But it. It's crazy that it sounds like they're in the bowl. I know. It's so good. Like, the sound design on this film is so good all throughout. Like, yeah. And just like the tunk, tunk, like. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. And then even, they just, they thought through everything. They thought through, like, how they should sound mm-hmm. in the in the fishbowl. They thought through like how they look. Like it looks like depressing lighting. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and it's still like from their perspective. Right. Too. He's like standing over them, ha ha ha, yeah, all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, there's no way that that's uh-huh. how that person would act. Right. But totally. they would perceive it that way. Right. Right. I know. I I love it. Like they they stick to it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And He's evil the whole time, so you're like, yeah, we do hate him. Right. And, like, we, of course, get a couple shots of him, like, walking away or whatever, mm-hmm. um, like, from, quote-unquote, our perspective. But for the most part, they keep it to, like, this micro scale, like how SpongeBob yeah. and Patrick, like, would see this giant, you know, mm-hmm. graveyard, basically. I know. It really is quite horrifying. It is. Isn't it? Like, as a kid, uh-huh. there are several things in this when I'm like, oh, that's, yeah. like, really disturbing. Yeah, uh-huh. So, again, uh, in keeping with the tradition of uh, writing down things that Morgan says out loud, she said a lot this scene, which I think speaks to how effective it is. <laughs> she said, so scary as a kid. And a little bit later, she said, so traumatizing as a kid. <laughs> a little bit later, hey, what did this mean? You said, this explains a lot about you. <laughs> For because, you because you, you, know, you and I have watched this movie movie the same amount of times <laughs> uh, right uh, obviously millions hundreds of uh-huh. times as anybody could guess um but i'm like this this is your favorite yeah. this is what you consumed a lot like for, a kid, formative yeah. years uh-huh. but i think i mean you could say the same about me yeah. like watching the holy grail right just over and over or and annabelle. over <laughs> or or what annabelle or exorcist or oh i love scary movies yeah 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 but yeah, no, but yeah, no, I, just, I was laughing because I was like, because I have like a demented sense of humor. Is that what you're saying? No, I just think like, because you, you don't like traumatizing things. Oh. Like you don't like distur- things that disturb you unless yeah. they're like in that cartoony. Huh. Because like even in Adventure Time, I'm like, ugh, yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is just horrible and yeah. like itchy and scratchy. <laughs> well, I don't like itchy and scratchy either. I just think it's funny how you can't handle I them. I can't watch itchy and scratchy. Or like even when like Homer like picks uh-huh. up Bart and strangles him, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. I can't do that. 
<laughs> That's really I funny can't. that you can't. But I'm like, I will watch a human being like get in a movie. alive. Yeah, I'll watch the Saw movies or yeah. whatever else. Yeah, it's that's such an interesting mm-hmm. thing about you and about us. For one, Morgan does this thing where she has to remove one of her senses when she watches something like that. Yeah. So she will cover her ears. Yeah. But she's, you know, won't blink the whole time. Yeah. She's watching like the body get filleted alive or whatever. Yeah. But as long as she can't hear it, it's like not. Because I think the um, sound is mm-hmm. like more triggering yeah, than yeah. sight. Huh. That but perhaps that's like uh, an ableist view. I don't know. I don't know. I don't if, know. Like, I don't know what the deaf community would say about that. Yeah. But I think like for me personally, uh-huh. the. It just like, affects like, you more. Well, like sounds in scary movies and stuff yeah. are meant to like. Right, yeah, yeah. Like that's they why did, that definitely there. is, yeah. The how like the jump scares work and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But you can mm. watch something and like you might jump a little bit, mm. but you're not gonna like feel the fullness right. of that scare. I yeah, I get that in theory, but for mm-hmm. me, I still just can't watch. <laughs> so it's just so funny to me because like I feel like that's pr- that's pretty normal, you know. Mm-hmm. Like some people can handle gore, some people can't. That's mm-hmm. that's not that interesting. Like. Oh, Morgan can handle gore, Sam mm-hmm. can't. But what is interesting to me is that Morgan can't handle itchy and scratchy, mm-hmm. cutting each other open or whatever. Yeah. But I'm just, and I, I might even like still gristle at it, but I'm like, it's just, it's bristle? just, um, bristle, bri- bristle, yeah, you bristle. might still gristle. gristle at it. No, no, I might, I might, uh, heat up some I might, gristle. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I think. <laughs> um, gristle. But even that, that's not, that doesn't do justice to what we're trying to describe. Uh-huh. Like, ah. Uh, like, like something will happen in Adventure Time where somebody, I don't know, stubs their toe or something, and mm-hmm. it's not even that grotesque, but Morgan's yeah. just like, ah, yeah. that's messed up, you yeah. know? So yeah, like this scene, how spooky it is, Morgan's just like, that's messed up, you know? Uh-huh. I mean, we've talked Mainly, many times well, on this podcast also, of like... I, I'm sure you wrote it down for later, uh-huh. but then, <laughs> per usual, I'm just like predicting a movie I've already seen, Yeah. but later on, I'm like, this is so traumatic, like... Kids in the theater would have to be like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that and was then it really cuts good. to the theater. <laughs> to I'm the like, theater. <laughs> yeah. What? Uh-huh. So, yeah. That, that but is but I just, I was trying to think like, if I was nine and right. I went to go see this movie, right. or even younger, right. like if I was seven, right, and I saw this movie, I'd be like, <gasps> they're killing. They're in a Bob. graveyard. But then right. like, maybe I'd be so young that I'd be like, what? But it, it's like SpongeBob's literally like. <gasps> They're dead. Totally. Whatever he says. Totally. No, I I think that when I was a kid, I'm sure that I knew in the back of my mind, like, they have to get out of it, you know? And I and I think that like props to Steven Hillenberg and the other writers, they knew A, how to like keep some levity with the drama, you know, with like all the jokes and stuff like that. All right, Pat, you're bumming me out now, you Mm know. Um, you think and all that. Uh but then B, they just like they don't even let you sit. They they kind of let you sit in it, but it becomes very tammy very quickly, you yeah. know, of like the pirates crying and stuff like that. But all that said, I still was definitely like they're killing SpongeBob, right? Like, and and I thought like this is the end of SpongeBob. Like right. the movie is gonna end the show, you know? Right. So yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, like, and this is before like you could go. And if you're really worried about it, you could go and look up, like, right. is there a renewal for a new season? Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, 
And I don't think that we knew at that time, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, it's how I keep tabs on my K poppies. I'm like, are y'all disbanding soon? (laughs) Nope. We've got a release coming up. Yeah. Yeah. And the only other time that I felt that, so I don't think that I would feel that today. I'd be like, of course, SpongeBob's going to live or whatever, you know, only other time I felt that in a theater was during Toy Story three where I, Mm. I like, I knew I was like, they're not going to kill him. They get, there's no way. Mm. But like in the scene, you're like. But they could, but they might. Right. If anybody would, and th- Toy it Story would be would, them. Yeah. yeah, Toy Story would, Pixar would, you know. So I was like, yeah, it was nuts. But instead, they went on to make a, yeah, not great movie. Uh, which one? Isn't Toy Story four? Oh yeah, I mean Toy Story four is fine, but it's just I I would rate it. This is a don't get me started subject. I but. feel like it's like to me it's not canon. Yeah, yeah, I I feel that it's like but not it's in my head canon. I know it's silly, but yeah, story. it's like not in my head canon of it or whatever. And it just it just ended so perfectly well, that and, I was just so disappointed. And like I was like Toy Story four. I don't think I was the audience for. Like sure. I don't think that they made it for people who grew up with Toy Story. Right. Like Forky right. was not something that True. I yeah, wanted yeah, to yeah. hang out with. And I was uh-huh. like, yeah, I'm in my twenties. This right. is Forky is right. for the children. Apologies if you like Toy Story four, listeners. I say this as the biggest Toy True. Story fan in the world. Yeah. You know, my Although, two favorite films mm-hmm. ever, and they're always tied at first, is Goodwill Hunting and the first Toy Story. Mm-hmm. And the Toy Story trilogy, I maintain, is the best trilogy ever. And like, do I want to say it's the only perfect trilogy? <laughs> like, the only thing that I would say, like, holds a candle to it, which I know sounds insane, mm-hmm. is Lord of the Rings. Because those films are the only other one that are so consistently like, this is a perfect movie. You know? yeah, yeah. But I just think that by yeah. and large, Toy Story overall is still. But anyway, I, sorry. I don't feel that bad. This is something I regularly do mm. where I share mm-hmm. my movie opinion oh, yeah. and deeply offend someone. <laughs> That's like, fair. what freaking movie yeah, yeah. did I bring? One time, we were hanging out with people that I like. Uh-huh. You were friends with, and yeah. I think I like just met. Oh my gosh, this was in Minneapolis. Yes, and you said over the head sucks or something. It, was it that? Or yeah. was it Ice Age? No, or... over the head. Yeah, or... and the reason that it had come up was because people were sharing how much they love Over the Hedge. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I hated that movie. Yeah, and then just dead silence, and I was like, I think we should go. <laughs> yeah, we got to get out of here. <laughs> gosh. <sighs> That was the who blew this bubble moment for yeah, us. Yeah. Any, that was your Joker moment. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Um, so uh, you want to listen to SpongeBob and Patrick die? Yeah. This doesn't look too good, Patrick. You mean we're not going to get the crown, save the town, <laughs> and Mr. Krabs? I don't even think we're going to be able to save ourselves, buddy. Thanks. Don't mention it. Well, it looks like what everybody said about us is true, Patrick. You mean that we're attractive? No, that we're just kids. A couple of kids in way over their heads. We were doomed from the start. I mean, look at us. We didn't even come close to the crown. We let everybody down. We failed. Shell City. Yeah, we never made it to Shell City. Shell City. Exactly, buddy. Yeah, the place we never got to. Shell City. Okay, now you're starting to bum me out, Patrick. No, look at the sign. Shell City. 
marine gifts and sundries. Shell City is a gift shop? But if this is Shell City, then where's the... <laughs> crown? Whoa. Neptune's crown. Okay, I lied. They don't die in this clip. They die in the next one. Oh, Sorry about like, that. Oh. But um, what do you think of this scene? And uh, yeah, I'll ask you that first. Dude, part a part that could make me cry is uh-huh. the way Patrick says Mr. Krabs. Uh, how does he say it? It's just like, uh, well, because like that, their yeah. dying, drying right. out voice is right. like just an old person. Right. And I'm like, ah, yeah. like he used all of his breath to try yeah. and get that one sentence out. I'm like, uh-huh. ah. Yeah, I know. It's so sad. And, and it's the way like, that they are, like their facial expressions and how they look. And, uh-huh. uh Dude, it's so good mm-hmm. from a like filmmaking perspective and so tragic. And what you're describing, Morgan, I think is like, for one, it's Patrick is always a step behind, you know, and so he's like, what do you mean? Like, it's the most tragic right. thing. It was already tragic earlier in the film when right. SpongeBob was like, I'm going home, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Like, but here it's like, Patrick's like, what do you mean? Like, we're on a mission. We uh-huh. can't stop now, you know? But, what but about Spencer Mr. Krabs? Like, we're going to die. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, just like the way that they're talking is like, and I can't believe, again, maybe it's just because I grew up watching SpongeBob, mm-hmm. but I'm like, these are like cartoon voice actors and cartoon voice actors are super talented. Don't get me wrong. But I think that a lot of people come to expect when you're watching a film that you're not going to listen to cartoon voice actors for 90 minutes, you know? Right. But like he's emoting as SpongeBob and it works so well for me. And right. Patrick's like emoting as Patrick works so well for me, right. you know? And it's like, that is what they would look like in that heartbreaking right. of a, of a moment, you know? Right. Like, and it just feels like, they would never let this scenario happen again, like on the show, you know, right. like you save this for one time. Like right. you can't, ju- it's, it's like, um, uh, oh gosh, what's that one show that mm. we're worried about that they're going to just be like, oh, the Marvel universe. Oh yeah. Of like, you can't just kill characters. Oh and then yeah. Bring yeah. Bring them back. Totally. Like over and over. Cause yeah. that means nothing. Right. Yeah, totally. Exactly. I know. It's so freaking insane that they actually just kill them. But okay. So then, um, we get this like sweet moment where they're like, wait, we did it. We made it to shell city, you know? So I was going to ask you, where would you say that we are? Like, well, or does this fit on the hero's journey circle or oh, is this yeah, more just like journey. kind of a, like, cause it does feel like a sweet, you know, in a sense we see some closure on like for SpongeBob and Patrick of like, mm. we did it, you know? And no, it's not over yet. It's you not over yet. up for you? Uh, you can if you want. It's just a circle. Well, I know. But, I, like, I'm just asking this scene where they haven't really accomplished their mission, but they're getting, they, they've, like, made it to this distant land or whatever. Is that a thing on the hero's journey, like, they're thing? In, yeah, they're in the abyss. They're in the abyss. Yeah, so they're at okay. 6 o'clock on the hero's journey. <laughs> okay, nice. So, it's, like, it's... The the abyss is like where you descend to death and mm. you get reborn. Oh, that's literally it's literally what happens. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, I that's love what this I'm saying. So it's much. like yeah. So they so you're saying like on the typical the prototypical hero's journey mm-hmm. at some point the hero literally or mm-hmm. metaphorically it's like the bays in the river sticks type of thing. Yeah. Right. That is so amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that means I'm certain that they read that and were like SpongeBob. Yeah. 
will die in our film and be reborn, you know? Right. Like, Or at the very least, we're yeah. like, can we make that work? I mean, like, it's not to talk about Harry Potter, but it's one of the things that makes Harry Potter so wonderful is mm-hmm. that it's like such a long hero's journey. Right, like, right. I mean, there's little ones throughout all the books, right. but they don't get to to six o'clock right. until like the very, the very end, last, basically, yeah. of the seventh book. Right. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Anyway, speaking of crazy, I think that this is the most heartbreaking mm-hmm. uh, delivery of any line in the entire film. Uh, this ti- this clip is titled in my computer, They Die. This is Shell City. Had we did make it. Yeah. I guess we did. We did all right for a couple of goofballs. <laughs> They commit so hard with the music. And I the... know. <laughs> the end of SpongeBob. <laughs> they literally say, "That's the end the of SpongeBob." SpongeBob. <laughs> Sorry to laugh that's at that. That's I mean, so. Oh, whoops, jeepers! It's so heartbreaking. Like, right. but yeah. So the line that I'm, of course, referring to is the way I'm not gonna try and do an impression of it. But the way that his voice is so broken, but he's just uh, going to go out scream singing, I'm a goofy goober. Yeah. yeah. And then Patrick's like sh- kind of shocked and surprised. Uh-huh. And then he just joins in too. Yeah. Is that so not the sad. saddest thing you've it's ever so seen? Sad. Uh, <laughs> terrible. What song would you sing if you were about to die? Oh my gosh. That's so sad. <laughs> Maybe that'll be my attendance question tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Maybe not. Maybe... <laughs> Like, if we're thinking in, in this style, if I'm thinking of, like, childhood innocence, maybe, mm. like, you've got a friend in me or something like oh, that. Yeah. Wow, that's sad as hell. This is getting super sad, <laughs> but what would you sing? Uh, well, if we're talking childhood, I probably would sing Lucky by Britney Spears. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And <laughs> I would, I would for sure, top to bottom, like, this is a story about a girl named Lucky. <laughs> like, like <laughs> early morning. Tum, tum, tum. But you'd be like, early morning. Yeah. As you're being dried out underneath she a heat lamp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I was supposed um, to do the whole song for you. I went to do, like, the next part of the choreography, and I was like, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> just save that. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so this scene is so sad, and yeah. it's so good because... I think that it's sad even now as adults. And yeah. uh, granted, part of that is nostalgic because you're like, it's SpongeBob. No, it you is know? actually but just sad, though. It is totally just sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, too, it's brilliant because kids really do. Like, I remember listening to a podcast where somebody was talking about the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. And he was kind of saying, like, hey, man, I know that, like, people want to dog on it or whatever. But I took, like, my mm-hmm. eight-year-old daughter to see it. And, you know, in the in the film, when Sonic gets knocked over in the streets my daughter turned to me and was like oh my god is sonic gonna be okay because yeah. when you're a kid you're like 
Yeah. Holy crap, it's what's going to happen? Yeah. You know, like you're scared. Yeah. And so you would be scared yeah. at all. Right. But then they freaking just die on no, camera. No, this is like when Pikachu died. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you're like, Ryan. Right. Are you talking about the original Pokemon no, movie? or, or I'm the talking detective? about. Oh, Ryan. I'm Ryan, talking uh, about Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, that was super sad too. Yeah. But but then, yeah, when I was a kid. Does uh, he die? The original like Pokemon movie. No, he doesn't. Freaking get this, Morgan. And the Eevee? original Pokemon movie, Ash <laughs> dies. <laughs> I mean, literally dies. What an anime Ash, freaking thing to do. Ash to turns kill to stone <laughs> because Mewtwo kills him. Wow. And then. Pikachu starts bawling, and then all of the other Pokemon start bawling, and then Pikachu's tears heal Ash. Oh, God bless. So he comes back to life. Yeah. But, like, imagine four-year-old me like, what? <laughs> like, Ash! <laughs> you didn't get to catch him up! No, you didn't even get close to being a master. You let half your Pokemon go. Dude, yeah. one of my favorite, this is a BTS, so we're going to get back okay. to it. Um, one of my favorite things ever is that yeah. at this award show one time, uh-huh. um, every every idol group came, like, dressed to the nines. Yeah. Everyone's in, like, black, intense, yeah. like, really sexy <laughs> outfits. And BTS comes out, and they are dressed like Pokemon trainers. No. Like, they're not actually, but they look like they're about to yeah. go catch them all. Like, it's, it's, I got to show the clip to you, because I think you'll laugh. Hey, speaking of showing the clip, you quoted earlier, what what is with the TikTok audio? Oh, no. <laughs> the table. What does he say? It's broken. <laughs> you guys, Morgan it's was so cry funny. laughing yesterday <laughs> at this TikTok that because- mashed up. What was the song? Welcome to the Black Parade and that audio. <laughs> can I oh, play no. it? Yeah, if you can okay. find it, you okay, can wait, play wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, you can talk. I'll, I'll, uh, take I'll see. It. I'll look for something to talk about. Uh, oh this is gosh. so traumatizing. Uh, yeah, Morgan oh, said, no. all the kids in the theater like, no. And she said, oh, my God. And then, uh, oh, yeah, I said the music is so wonderful. Here, maybe this. Yeah. Into the city. showed up on my for you page and it it's like it knows me because i'm like it knows i think this audio is really funny <laughs> and it also knows that i really wanted to be an emo scene kid and like yeah. oh yeah so good it's so good our table <laughs> <laughs> it's broken <laughs> so good so good okay anyway speaking of so good um Holy frick. Like, so, of course, uh, the parrot comes, mm-hmm. and Steven Hillenburg, a.k.a. Potty the Parrot's mm-hmm. voice, is like, look at the screen. Mm-hmm. And he's right. It'd be the tear of the Goofy Goober. Mm-hmm. I think he says stupid. Oh, like, he probably does, screen, yeah. stupid. And I remember, yeah. like, if I was a kid and I called someone stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One time, <laughs> one time, uh-huh. I was walking out of a store with my mom, and I said, that guy was a prick. Whoa! And, and my mom went, "You do not say <laughs> that." But you just but reacted kid, like my mom know. did. Uh, yeah, that you can't say that when you're a kid. Oh yeah, I was like, "That's not that bad." No, but uh, as a kid, how old were you? 
I don't before ten. Yeah, kids can't say prick. That's not okay. But who knows where I even heard it? Who's calling people that? Yeah, I remember. I repeated. To, I can't remember what, but I repeated something that I heard my siblings say earlier. Mm-hmm. They they like were we were picking them up from practice or something, mm-hmm. and like one of them ran inside, and I thought about it in my head. I don't know why I said this when I was a kid, but mm-hmm. then they came back out, and I yelled it at them. It was a swear or something. And everyone was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. But but then, no, when I was a kid, I watched filmstarrunner.com mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and so I would just say crap all the time. And yep. my mom, I'm she probably was like, felt a certain way about yep. it. But she would have like stopped me if it was a word that she really yeah. cared about. But then my friend Matt, who's been on the podcast before, shout out Matt. Uh, to be clear, to be clear, I said shout out, not shut up. Shout out to Matt. Um, he said crap around his dad and his dad was like so offended mm-hmm. and was like, you do not get someone your age should not be saying crap. And I felt yeah. so bad. Oh, there were so many things but... like, I'm, and I'm sure that my mom would deny, mm-hmm. but yeah. like stupid was on the list for sure. Oh, holy yeah, cow. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't say oh, holy cow. Interesting. Yeah. Oh no, our table is broken. <laughs> it's stuck in my head now. So anyway, good. no, speaking of so good, yeah. the like. the drums start playing and the the music starts rising you see the smoke and you're like is it gonna be and and it's like and as a kid you've you've been you know trained of Mm -hmm. from sandy stone like they can't go without water and here they go they finally go without water oh i thought you were gonna say as a kid we're all trained that like water should not go near electricity well that too that too yeah i knew that Uh uh-huh uh electric uh, appliance uh, uh-huh. safety or whatever but no the freaking sprinklers going off and then all the animals coming back to life is so magical and I so love like rumbly they, yeah it's rumbly and they all look like Spongebob fish which I yeah. just love so much you yeah. know like I don't know it's silly but it just makes it feel like Spongebob is like well, part of this bigger world or something you know like and I think too like um it's it's a good way for Steven Hillenburg to make kids want to preserve totally. the oceans because yeah. they're like, you uh-huh. see fish like this, right. but when they're happy in their towns underwater, right. they're like SpongeBob. I know. I think that that's really sweet because Steven Hillenburg does really care, mm-hmm. you know, both about conservation um, and and I, and I use the present tense because I just have been like. Obviously, he since passed, which is very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, he so cared about right. conservation and about kids caring about conservation and stuff too. You know, um, and he would often, you know, like comment of like, my greatest nightmare is like a piece of plastic washing up on the beach and it's a SpongeBob toy. You know, so he would use SpongeBob uh, to like do these fundraisers and stuff for the ocean or whatever. But that video that I was showing you the other day where Tim and Jacques Cousteau's um, son, mm-hmm. and they're just, all it is, is they're just like explaining what animals mm-hmm. all of the um, characters in the film are. Yeah. I just thought that that was so sweet because mm-hmm. I could just tell like Steven Hillenburg, he said in like several places that the reason he got into the ocean was because uh, of Jacques Cousteau documentaries. Yeah. So I'm certain that in his mind, he was just like, I'm going to try and do that for another kid now. Right. And maybe a kid watches these bonus features and is like, the ocean's actually really cool. I want to get into this, you know? So, so yeah, it's just very sweet. It just makes it like, you can't help, but it's already a special thing when somebody cares about the art that they're making. Yeah. But that he cares about it 
on such a specific level of like, mm-hmm. not just that I have artistic integrity, but no, I really genuinely care about the ocean. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. Anyway. It's like Mr. Rogers. He's yeah. like, I just care about the well-being of children. Of kids. Yeah. It's nuts. So shout out to Steven Hillenberg. Um, so SpongeBob and Patrick are alive. I, and I don't know for sure, but I want to say that it's a, um, a Shawshank Redemption uh, reference of them like in the rain, like <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> Patrick opens his shorts up, which is really funny. Um, and they he really literally yells, "Hey, we're alive!" Mm-hmm. Which I think is like really cute and special. Yeah. Um, a mariachi band starts playing, and all these fish attack yeah. the um, scuba diver Cyclops, and it's yeah. wonderful. Um, any other thoughts before we exit the gift shop? No. Before we exit through the gift shop. Okay, so speaking of Toy Story. Um, I have this clip titled Falling with Style because this is so epic to me. This next clip, how the music swells and they're like, all right, we're back in the adventure. And it feels to me like the moment in Toy Story. And I know that like Steven Hillenberg watching Iron Giant and watching Toy Story is kind of what got his wheels turning of like, what could I do like with SpongeBob, that would be that epic of, of a story to tell or whatever. Um, and for me, it's the moment in Toy Story where they're so down on their luck. They're like, we lost, we missed the truck. Like we're not, we're not making it or whatever. RC dies. And then uh, he realizes that he can uh, use Buzz Lightyear's helmet to light the fuse, you know? Mm-hmm. And, he, and then he says, wait a second. I just lit a, a rocket. Rocket, rockets explode. <laughs> you know? Now I'm just getting soaked about Toy Story. <laughs> but it's that epic and like... Right. So anyway, that's the scene that I'm setting up. Come on, Patrick! Let's get this crown back to Bikini Bottom! Do you still have that bag of wins? I sure do! <laughs> Here you go! Uh, what? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Okay, let's go over the instructions. Let's see, it says here, step one, point bag away from home. Okay. Step two, plant feet firmly on ground. Right. Step three, remove string from bag, releasing the winds. Check. That seems simple enough. Point bag away from home, feet firmly on ground, pull string, releasing the winds. All right, let's do it for real. Uh, SpongeBob? I never caught before Patrick going, that was bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Morgan, we need. Hey, Morgan. Yeah. Check, please. It's it's Morgan o'clock. We need your uh, your expertise. Talk to us about the bag of wins. Uh, it's 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 how he gets home mm. in the Odyssey. In the Odyssey, anything else? Um, special gifts. Special gifts given from the helper, also part of the hero's from journey that we had. So, what happens in the Odyssey? Um, I think it's how. It, so oh Homer God. gets a gift. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's not Homer. Homer. I know. Oh, okay. I was like. Homer wrote it. Yeah. Supposedly. Mr. Odyssey. <laughs> Odysseus. Oh, okay. Um, Mr. Iliad. Okay. Iliadius. <laughs> I've it's been so long since I read it. Yeah. Um but you're asking me. I mean, like, I read it freshman year of high school. I thought you read it with your students. 
No. Oh, okay. Never mind. I'm well, just a dumb I mean, dumb. They read it. Okay. They read a bridge. All right. Well, they but, they have a bag of wins in that. But yes, there's a bag of wins, and I think it's how he gets. Is it how he gets off the island? That's how he gets when, home, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But it, somebody will have to correct me. Is it yeah. how he gets off the island with the woman who's turning people into pigs? I think so. Because like. He listens to the sirens, but that's uh-huh. a different part. Is that the end of his journey? Is that island? With I the think pigs, I think so. The and Bay then, of Pigs, as they call it. And then he uses the bag of winds and he gets home. And then yeah. he's like, "Let me test my wife." Right. He's like, "Yo, you better have been faithful to me." I know I've been he, gone for decades, for literally like thirty years, and I have been cheating on you the, the entire whole time. time. But you better freaking yeah yeah. Anyway, um. So the bag of wins. So I, I love the subversion that mm-hmm. they just immediately <laughs> lose the bag of wins. Right. You know? well, I mean, he like lost it in the beginning of the movie. Um, Didn't he open it right away? Uh, well, yeah, he opened it and then Mindy closed it. He's yeah. like, what's in here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it made me giggle. But yeah, they like show it. They really like set it up of like, mm-hmm. this will be important and you should remember and this. You honestly, know? it's for the best. Spoilers mm-hmm. coming out. It's for the best that they lost it because otherwise Dennis would have been on them still. True. They yeah, that's gone true. home and they would have had to fight him uh-huh. in their beds or something. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, so they have a, a different sort of bag of wins and I'm not, you know, that's not me. That's not dig. That's just like the, the device of like, like rush you back home mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. No, it's the same bag of wins. What? You're, no, I... No. I'm saying David Hasselhoff is functionally <laughs> the bag of wins. I thought you were saying this bag of wins was different no, 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 than no, the no, Odyssey, no. and I was like, no, I it's know. a bag of wins. I know, it's the same, yeah. Sorry, that wasn't very clear. From the from the four... Correct. The four, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A um, couple other things, just quickly on this scene, though. Um, shout out uh, to Will Bortz when we covered um, Squidville. The exact same joke. Um, did you bring that uh, birthday cake for Squidward or that uh, we're sorry cake? And he goes, yep. Mm-hmm. And then he turns around. He's got yeah. this giant thing in his pants. Yeah. And then he they laugh and then he holds up I always thought, <laughs> a kid, the cake. I was like, is that his secret box? Oh, maybe. That could be. And then yeah. I was like, everybody poops. <laughs> that Oh, that's true. I forgot to write that down. That's mm-hmm. one of the things that Morgan said out loud while we were watching this. But no, yeah, it's just stupid and funny. And anyway, uh, and then only other she's dancing again. We're losing her. The only other thing uh, is again I wrote down. Uh, well, I'll say two things. For one, the animation of the water interacting with SpongeBob yeah. and the sand, all of it is so good. freaking good. The way that his hands like kind of like kind of sink into the wet sand and stuff like that is so amazing. Just like we do. Yes, and then finally, I just I have like a broader note here. Um, I just wrote down, this is so hype. This movie has lived up to my nostalgia. Mm. I felt so giddy and laughed so much throughout this entire film. Cute. I really was worried, like, I'm going to watch this and it's not going to be a very good movie, you know? Like, it'll be like, yeah, they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's it's good enough for what it is. Mm-hmm. And granted, again, if you have no knowledge of SpongeBob, I don't know if you would like this movie or not. But for me, like, I genuinely was like, this is such an amazing, like, payoff. Mm-hmm. And, like, I am, like... There's just so many goosebump moments for me yeah. <laughs> throughout this film, you know. So anyway, how are they going to get back home, Morgan? The Hoff. Oh, no. How will we ever get back to Bikini Bottom now? I can take you there. Who are you? I'm David Hasselhoff. Hooray! 
So where's your boat? Boat? <laughs> Go, Hasselhoff! Next stop, Bikini Bottom! Crabs, you know what today is? Sorry about this calendar. March 14th. Wait, that's not right. It should say the day that crabs fries. <laughs> and then uh, the king shows up and he's about to kill him. We haven't even talked about that yet, uh, Morgan. It's uh, freaking Mr. Krabs is about to die. Yeah, I feel like that's like a like I know that that's like the plot, right. like that's how you know that's the rising action right. that kicks it off. Right. But I'm like, oh, I forgot he existed. <laughs> right, right, right. But I I think that it's cool how um by the end of the film they're cross cutting a lot. Yeah. And they're like raising the tension of like, no, right. they're not gonna make it in time. Right. You know? Especially with the countdown. Yeah. Uh huh. So, um, I just I mean. It's, again, a thing that we're all familiar with at this point. Like, I think a lot of people see David Hasselhoff as just, like, a character of SpongeBob SquarePants. But it's, like, what? It's just funny. Like, yes, you and me and, uh-huh. like, maybe people of our generation are like, oh, yeah, he was in that right. SpongeBob movie. But, like, that's not what he's known for. No, it's not. But yeah. I swear, like, everybody our generation... Mm-hmm. Like more than likely, and it, he's even said this in interviews. Is he's like, I mean, yeah, obviously for the longest time it was Baywatch and Knight Rider. Yeah. But now anybody like thirty or under are like, hey, you were in the SpongeBob movie, you know? Like it's <laughs> yeah. completely changed. Yeah. Or Doing even your um, Baywatch thing. Yeah. Even uh, I think it was Marion Ross uh-huh. um, said in an in interview. Somebody was like, hey, I know you, and she's like immediately like, oh yes, and she's talking about. You know, she thinks that they're going to refer to her like most famous show, Uh but then they're like, you're SpongeBob's grandma. (laughs) She's like, what? (laughs) Like, like... you know, it was the same thing, I think, for um, uh, Tim Conway and, um, oh gosh, I'm going to blank on his other, on his name, Mermaid Man of Barnacle Boy, Mm -hmm. Um, Ernest Borgnine. So anyway, so people just like see David Hasselhoff as like a staple of SpongeBob, but you can't overlook how bizarre this is you know and again i've said like i get it like why it had to be in the trailers like you have to show spongebob goes to land that's like what like the big hook you know no pun intended um and i'm sure that it got more people like to see the movie being like david hasselhoff is in this but man how epic would it have been to just be like that like is a surprise at the end of the film david hasselhoff just randomly shows up you know so that's just so epic and um him like just being a motorboat is so funny. Like it's so good, and it's like when they're showing his legs and back and stuff. I'm like, did they just take a picture? Do you want to know how they did it? Yeah, I've already talked about this again in trivia. Sorry, everybody for trivia. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you. Um, no, so they built a uh, 15 foot replica of David Hasselhoff's body out of like wax and. Um, uh, yak hair. Ew. I don't know if it, I actually I don't know if it's wax, but they built like a prosthetic yeah. whole body uh, that is like super hyper realistic, um, so that they could and shoot twice it the size of a man and twice the size of a man, so that they could shoot it uh, like in water and do like macro photography on it, so that they wouldn't have to um, just make David Hasselhoff lay in the water for two weeks straight while they like filmed all those scenes or whatever sure. you know. But yeah, it's like. Wow. So your question, like, did they just take the a photo of a man? Even like, better. <laughs> his legs, I was like, 
how did they make his legs look so much like legs? He's obviously not in the water. Totally. Well, so for part of it, he was in the water. They they took some uh, shots where basically if it's a wide shot, they have him like kind of on a sled uh-huh. and they're like dragging him through the water. Um, and I, I already so will funny. have given him like a shout out in the trivia, but he deserves a second one here. Um, everybody that talks about him, like in working with him on the movie are like, oh, he was so awesome. Like uh-huh. he immediately understood what we were going for. Cause I think that like, like, I don't think that Vin Diesel would ever do this, you know? Bro, like, I almost sent you a picture of Vin Diesel today. Just for my collection or why? I, I almost, well, I was going to send it to you and be like, it's for family, <laughs> uh, but it's a target. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But do you know what I mean? Like, uh, an actor like that would be like, mm. I have to look cool in this or whatever. Right. You know? Well, it's like the but, it's like the actors that are like, uh-huh. I have to stand on a box if I'm not right. the tallest one. Right. But David Hasselhoff, and I mean, he is the hero of this. Don't get me wrong. But they're like, it's it's supposed to be campy and stupid, mm-hmm. and you're going to look completely ridiculous. We want you to like overact and stuff, you know, and just be like this weird like, because even SpongeBob and Patrick are kind of uncomfortable uncom- almost. Like they're stoked, but uh, they're like, okay. Yeah. Um, do you have a boat or, you know, um, uh-huh, and, and even when like, uh, Dennis will like stab his leg yeah. <laughs> later. Uh, David Hasselhoff just makes these weird faces like, he's just like careful easy. back there, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I just, he's the goat. Shout he out is. to him. Shout Kurt, out to the Hoff. Uh, in 2014, um, his, uh, the 15 foot model went up for auction. Yeah. And then he personally pulled it back out of auction, uh, which made me wonder if he was like, hey, I want to keep that. Uh-huh. But then it went up for auction again. And then that one got pulled. So I don't know if David Hasselhoff behind the scenes is like, I want to keep my 15-foot replica right, of me. Right. But his um his signed swim trunks are also up for auction if if anybody's How much are they going for? Um the the 15-foot model is somewhere close to a million. Mm-hmm. Um I think that the trunks are just in like the tens of thousands. Um yeah. basically his whole estate is going up for auction. Mm. I think it's all being donated to charity, but nice. it's like I think the the biggest items, like price wise, were like the original Knight Rider car mm-hmm. and the SpongeBob movie life size replica, <laughs> which is really funny, isn't it? Isn't it just so? Hey, um, with that, we're gonna throw it to a quick break, Morgan, and then when we come back, we will rejoin our heroes and see if they uh, save Mr. Krabs in time. Spoilers: they don't. He <laughs> dies. <laughs> Since the beginning of time, mankind has searched for answers to the big questions. Where did we come from? Is there life after death? Are we alone? But today, in this very theater, you'll be asked to answer the ultimate question. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? 
Bigger. Squarier. Spongier. <laughs> the SpongeBob SquarePants Movie. Welcome to the the long-awaited, the long-awaited return of everybody's favorite segment, Everybody's a Critic, the segment of the podcast where you leave a review and I read it here on the air. We are here today with the last review of Absorbent in Yellow ever, at least um, that I'll read on the podcast but by all means, I mean, still leave a review if you want. Find us on Yelp. Okay, this uh, review comes from Mark Milligan, who says this, quote, This is hands down the best SpongeBob podcast I've ever listened to. Although I have never listened to a different one, I'm confident that there is not a better one. I have loved reliving every episode of the original run with Sam and friends and all the awesome banter that has come along with it. One out of five stars. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, everybody, um, for all the kind reviews that you've left, even if you gave it uh, one star, like Mark here. Um, uh, the reviews have helped uh, other people find the show, and most of all, it's just been wonderful um, for me. I'm getting to read all of your reviews and listener mail and tweets and replies and all that. So thank you. Uh, without further ado, let's get back into the show. Absorbing you on the SpongeBob Deep Dive, the podcast where Morgan talks. And you listen. <laughs> <laughs> Take us away, Morgan. Well, uh, you know, it's great to be here. <laughs> you know, I'm really looking forward to cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan, what's your favorite? What, what do you look forward to most about this podcast? <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to cracking up. It's so old now, but oh man. And it's so random. It's the premiere of Osmosis Jones. Right. Like, why? But I don't even know. Like, it's Lizzie McGuire's brother. Yeah. Why was he at the. He, was he in, the, in it? I'm just. Uh, I don't think so. I guess maybe. Should I look up that video quick and then, and then we can start talking about. Yeah. Because we already watched my video. True. Oh, Cracking. No. Here we go. What are you looking forward to most about this film? I think I'm looking forward to cracking up. Uh, I hope I can, like, you know, totally crack up. So uh, I haven't, like, totally cracked up in a long time. I did. Like, it gives me the same vibe of, like, okay, you have to use this word, <laughs> yeah. like, three t- as many times as uh-huh. you can in, like, this interview. Cracking up is cracking what I'm looking up. forward to about this film, Morgan. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, everybody, welcome back to Observing Yellow. We're back um, in a typical Sam and Morgan fashion. Uh, what was maybe a 60-second break for you was a uh, close to 12-hour break for us. Um, we went to bed. Uh, we went Morgan, to work. Morgan went to work. I went to work writing uh, the opening of for the podcast for today and finishing my research. And then we took another nap. Um, and now we're here. Now yeah. we're here. Morgan ate. How many bowls of Fruity Pebbles did you just eat? I ate three, <laughs> which is really uncommon for me. But yeah. I, I was, it was one of those things where I felt like I hadn't eaten in days. Uh-huh. And so I was like shaking. Yeah. And then like, I knew if I stopped eating before I was full, yeah, yeah, like yeah. If, if I wasn't like, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, I was going to like throw up or pass out or something. <laughs> or both. Yeah. That's pretty epic. Morgan was cracking up. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Um, welcome back, everybody. Morgan, do you remember what movie we were watching? Do you remember? The SpongeBob. Has it been too long? Do you do you well, remember? It has been a while, but I think I can do it. How How are you feeling right now at this point in the film? Where um do you, Do you need me to play you a clip? Would that help you? Well, we're on the Hoff's back. We're on the Hoff's back. So yeah, we um. In fact, uh, I here's a question for you. How did How did you like um? Oh wait, maybe this is coming later. But but I'll ask you now anyway. How how did did you appreciate uh, King Neptune's use of the word reprieve? When does he say that? He says, "Eugene Krabs, your six day reprieve is up." I think it's nice. I like it when like kid shows mm-hmm. throw in, quote unquote, mm-hmm. like adult words. Right. They're just words, right? That adults say is right. all I mean by adult words, right? So we can say whatever we want. <laughs> Do any of these? Um, what does reprieve mean, Morgan? Uh, like to take a break from, to step away from. That's kind of what we did That's from this I, podcast. Huh? We had a reprieve. A reprieve. I mean, I guess here maybe in a it would be in a negative sense. Uh, for Mr. Krabs, yeah. Well, I, unless it's like no, it's positive because it, he gets six days to get a crown, and now his reprieve is up, right? Oh, well, I thought his, I guess his reprieve from death. Correct. Mm, yeah. I thought it was like, because Mr. Krabs likes to work and make money. So it's right. like, it's kind of negative. Oh. Hasn't been able to do any of that. Uh, yeah, I guess. But I suppose it's from death. Yeah, I think it's from death. But anyway, um, let's see. Um, yeah, I think that we just left off, uh, you know, Plankton. I just... There's a few jokes that pop up a couple times, and they made me giggle, and, and mm-hmm. Plankton says, sorry about this calendar. Sorry and, about this. You know, SpongeBob says that at the beginning of the film, but um, we just freaking it blasts into this next clip, yeah. and it, we already see, you know, uh, David Hasselhoff when they're like, where's your boat? And he says, who said anything about a boat or whatever, you know? Yeah. And then it shows him, and he's swimming, honestly, like Larry the Lobster. And that was funny. But then this scene was hilarious to me. How just, bam, and he's just like a motorboat flying through. he literally is, yeah. Unidentified object off the hindquarters. It looks like... Bigger food. But how? Oh, Did you miss me? 
what? Dennis is still in this movie? Yeah, dude. So uh, yesterday, when you were like, that's crazy that he's like killed. I, I kind of was like, or not yesterday, last week. I was like, I wonder if she remembers that he's still in the rest of the film. No. You're shaking your head. So no, you didn't. Okay, so that was going to be my question. Even though I've watched it millions of times. <laughs> That's crazy. I also watched it millions of times. Yeah. The same amount. Yeah. But yeah, so I was like, I wonder if Morgan has forgotten. And that's why I tried playing it up to see how far I could push it before you were like, no, he's still in the movie. But so yeah, when I asked you like, how do you feel that he literally, this is the last you see. Yeah. That was why. I literally, because I was like, wow, such a letdown. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so like, I guess it, there's, you know, bigger fish to fry out here. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That was it. There's bigger fish to fry. Um, well, what did you think when he returned? Were you like, what? Or were you just like, oh, yeah. No, I was like, what? Yeah. Um, in a good way, though. Yeah. But I'm I'm sitting here like, what kind of fish is Dennis? I was wondering the same thing. Is he like of plankton? Because I No, I don't think that he's plankton. squishes and gets back up. But like, he doesn't look like fish. That's a yeah that's a good that's a good question my my initial guess is that he's a fish i feel like i read at some point um that he was a sea cucumber Mm. and and i think that i read that because he like i read the phrase like he's a tough cucumber or something like that is that a phrase is that an idiom one tough cookie one tough cookie yeah it's like or maybe he's cool as a cucumber cucumber uh, that one's right. I'll just Google it now. I was about to say I'll look it up later and then I'll... But let's just say, what kind of fish is a Dennis? Let's see. Because, I mean... P.S. When you look up Bag of Winds, it's just Spongebob that comes up. I love that. I love... That's just like so many different Spongebob things. It's like the only thing. So... What? That can't be right. Dennis Lobster. That's not no. I want Dennis the Hitman. Okay, Dennis the Hitman. Um, it just says that he's a fish. It's a fish. Dennis the Hitman, better known simply as Dennis, is a fish who is a secondary antagonist in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Hmm. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, well, I, yeah. He's I mean, I guess the sea. Well, he's of the sea and he's green. And then I guess if you look at his arms, he's kind of got those lines that they put on the fins, the fins of, of yeah. everybody. Which it's he, just he's the most human looking fish. Definitely. But I but I'm cool with that because I think, you know, he's uh it's a it's meant to be like completely um what? Fresh D- Dennis fish. Oh my is is Dennis is a Dennis... type of fish? I think that it might be. Could that is his name not Dennis? No, it is Dennis. But look, fresh Dennis fish. Oh. Maybe it's just a pun. That'd be kind of cool, That'd be I guess. Pretty dope, yeah. But regardless, oh, it's also the oh, name of the cute. fish yeah. in that Stanley show. Dude, I remember. I was wow. in that show for like Same. a week. Wow. Anyway, um, I'm cool with his like design because he obviously is meant to look just ridiculously like tough. Yeah, whatever, he's you know? just but, a little Western guy. Yeah, uh huh. And like a cold blooded. He's cool predator. guy, Mr. Cool Guy. Mr. Cool Guy. So anyway, um, yeah. What did you think of his return here? I thought it was good, but I was like, how did the boot get going? I don't know. It it doesn't matter. I like, like was he matter. was he like paddling? I maybe. I I don't think it. It, like I but think like, it's he wore him around the store. What he wore him around the store? Yeah. Oh, um, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess that means that maybe when the water turned on. Right. I'm guessing that when he fell over, off? his boot fell off or something like that. Yeah. But like, I'm I'm not imagining like you know, uh, like Dennis crawled with the boot on top of him or something like that. Because the way that he comes up onto the um onto David Hasselhoff on, onto the quote unquote the boat is he just like. It looks like another motorboat coming right. up, you know? And so it's just like that kind of SpongeBob logic right, of right. like, like when the hand picks up SpongeBob in the Suds episode, where is yeah. he coming from? Like it doesn't, there is no logic, you know? Right, right. The, the internal logic is like the boots that here now. Right, right. <laughs> you know? So um, I had never caught before that Dennis and Plankton both get stepped on. Mm-hmm. I I don't, um, well, I guess, no, that, that makes sense. At first I was like, what are they trying to say with that or something? But no, now I just, I, I appreciate now I had, hadn't caught this either, but I'm sure that Plankton was just like, I'm tired of being stepped on. Right. I'm so going to hire somebody, somebody to step on, to step on you guys, yeah. you know, and then ironically he gets, he gets on. stepped on. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. it's pretty epic. So anyway, um, yeah, when I was a kid in the theater and, uh, bigger boot comes back. I love that that's just his name now yeah. too. Um, and then Dennis is there. You're like, what? Right. But yeah, like this whole scene, I think is like so epic. Like, uh, it's still so silly. You know, just like how like the last scene was like sad but silly. This one is like epic and like mm-hmm. is SpongeBob gonna make you're it? Like, but it's still silly. You right. know, like, um, because like what we were talking you're about, like, he shouldn't have any trials on the way home. He'll be fine. <laughs> right. Uh huh. So let's listen to this uh, this last trial, shall we, Morgan? Yeah. Now, where were we? Patrick, run! No. I'm tired of running. If we run now, we'll never stop. Never heard that noise. That like, oh, the like end. the little note at the end. Yeah. So I put in my notes that it felt very Toy Story to me. I know mm-hmm. I keep saying that this feels Toy Story, but I swear that there's a note like that when um they land in the minivan 
And they're and it's like because it's all like brass and stuff and epic right. before then. But then I swear it ends on like a soft, like a flute or something. You yeah. know, like ah, like. But yeah, what, Morgan, what did you think of Patrick's uh, heroism in this scene? Love Patrick. I mm-hmm. was more. I was more thinking about how like. I feel like Bubbles always enable SpongeBob to like get what he wants. Yeah. Whether he's intending to or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was a kid, um, obsessed with SpongeBob as I was, as you were. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, equally. Equally. Um, I remember, you know, I like I had some reservations about uh goofy goober um like ice cream parlor or whatever, because it wasn't from the show or whatever, you know. Um, which I don't have those reservations today, but, but so when I'm a kid, I have those reservations or whatever, but I remember feeling so satisfied that ultimately what saved him was just that he had some bubbles on him. Right. You know? I was like, yeah, like he it keeps just, it on it. It felt, <laughs> he keeps that MF on him. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember the tweet that's just, it's like a, they have a rabbit in their pocket. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, I just think that that's so great. And yeah, you're right. It, the bubbles enable him to like whatever you said uh get what he wants get, get, yeah whether um, he intends to or not mm-hmm. so um his kiddishness ultimately saves him um i i love the epic uh trench jump that he does yeah and they immediately undercut it and i i laughed maybe you heard me uh at his um yeah yeah, <laughs> that he <does>. yeah. <laughs> like he's like i did it and yeah he just like walked up to hasselhoff's butt and right back down and walked back leg. um Patrick's like, uh, no, I'm tired of running. It's uh-huh. like so epic. Uh-huh. Immediately followed by Rod SpongeBob. Right. I'm just like, Patrick is so good in this movie. He's trying. He's trying. But then, um, genuinely, one, and then also, I love the line, um, give it up, kid. Dennis always gets his man. Yep. I'm like, it's so like Clint Eastwood, like yeah. John Wayne. Yeah. Like, um, this town ain't big enough <laughs> for the both of us. Gosh dang it, Bobby. But then uh, I just thought it was very sweet, and I was wondering if if you got this too that um, Patrick say he like saved SpongeBob, right? And then he literally goes, "I got you, buddy." And yeah. I was like, "That is just so See? sweet." That's Patrick. I know. <laughs> but you're right, Morgan. <laughs> this is at the at the ninth hour, the last episode of the podcast. It's Patrick's defender till I die. I would like to publicly recant everything that I've said ill about Patrick. Morgan has finally persuaded me on this podcast. Thank you. Uh, that uh, what? How? How do you want me to put it? What words should I put it as? Uh, that Patrick is that Patrick good. Is, <laughs> yeah, like he's just like a wholesome best friend. Yeah. I also feel like too they they play it while we're like mm-hmm. most of the time. Yeah. Patrick is SpongeBob's adult. Totally. Uh-huh. So it's just one of those things where you're like, oh, right. yeah, like I'm out here, I'm playing with you, and we're being friends. Right. But like if you're about to die, I'm going to reach out my hand and be like, I yes. got you, it's fine. I got you, buddy. Mm-hmm. I know. The, the, the phrase, I got you, buddy, mm-hmm. is like so sweet. Mm-hmm. But then I, I know that you, uh, again, uh, writing down everything that Morgan says out loud, you repeated Patrick when he says, see ya. <laughs> because it's so cute and soft. <laughs> it's soft. He just has like... Like, he has all the lines that would be, like, a background really funny line right. in a show. Right, That, like, you wouldn't notice until you watch it, like, 50 times. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. Like, That's every line he has. Like, at the beginning when he's like, Patrick Squidward and I, no, uh, sorry, Patrick and I, hi, 
Yep. <laughs> just like, yep. Yep. <laughs> stuff like that is very good. So anyway, um, th- this is the um, point where I had my notes, like how do they make uh, the water seem so cartoony? You right. know? Cause like, I can tell that he is floating in water, but they seem to have like either just really like saturated it or like drawn over it or something, right. you know, because he pulls up to Bikini Addle and it's so freaking, I just love seeing, I'm like, that's the island, yeah. you know, like you see it like as the establishing shot at the beginning of the film, but here you're like, it's a literal island that like they're there, you know? Right, like that's the one that I see every single totally. time the show starts. Uh-huh. And so as a kid, you're just like, yeah, again, like... Mm-hmm. Um, it's literally, like, I can't explain this enough. Mm-hmm. That the hero's journey that they're yeah. following, it is the literal circle interpretation. Because yeah, yeah. there's a line in the yeah. circle yeah. of, like, known world yeah. and unknown world. So this time it's flipped because uh-huh. the, like, yeah. you know, the the Earth's surface is thinner than oh, whatever. Yeah. But if you think about it in terms of SpongeBob, mm-hmm. he literally... He's about to break the surface. Yeah. (laughs) To the unknown world. Yeah, yeah. And is now about to be thrust back into To the known world. world. Wow, that's really interesting. So yeah, and I mean I feel like there's a couple ways that you can interpret that. One, obviously, I mean, in a sense, like Bikini Addle, we're at Mm -hmm. the known world now. But I think like your two options maybe are the literal surface of the water you know, is, is the known world. But also you might recall that I made the argument, uh, the first episode that we covered, um, this film that we've both seen equal times that, uh, his like journey into the unknown unknown began when he burst through the wall of the crusty crab. Right. And now he's literally going to burst through the ceiling of the crusty crab back. Like exactly how they left. Right. Which I never caught before. You just pointed that out. It's literally like, very cyclical. Mm-hmm. And it's also great because it's like, well, that's where every episode starts. So you're right. like, oh, we're starting a new chapter. Like, yeah. we're starting a new part. Uh huh. Yeah, that's so true. But yeah. And we're going back changed. Ex- Gosh, it's so good, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, I was just going to say it's it's that so super gratifying fan service, but it's not just fan service, but it's like clicking in your memory. You're like, I know that island. So if you were like, I'm trying to find my way back home, mm-hmm. you know. Like, where do I turn left? You know, where, like, mm-hmm. where, where's the spot where you're like, take one more turn, head yeah. straight, and then, and then you'll be there. Yeah. Bikini Addle is that for right. you as a kid. You're like, that's the one, you right. know, just go straight down. Um, and then this next scene is so bizarre. Oh my gosh. But I think so epic. And one of the scenes that I like died laughing. Burned in your brain. <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid. Okay, fellas, this is where you get off. Bikini bottoms directly below. But we'll never be able to float down in time. Who said anything about floating? Initiating launch sequence. (laughs) Did you see that? The control. All hands on deck. Ten seconds to lift off. Nine, eight. Eugene Krabs. The time has come. No. Yes. Six. Five. For you. No. Yes. Three. Two. Surprise. No. Yes. One. No. You done good, Hasselhoff. You done. 
Ow. Dude, D David Hasselhoff. That... Sorry, go ahead. I love that he's this movie's ow. Yeah, true. Like... Uh-huh. That, that is really good. That, it's normally that guy. Uh-huh. And it's a very funny moment in mm -hmm. the uh, in the theater, just like, I don't know. I just didn't expect it when I was a kid. An under, gets... underrated owl. Yeah. No, I was just going to say that David Hasselhoff does not get enough credit for like, obviously he's like playing it up and mm -hmm. being campy or whatever, but he freaking sells. And I didn't really appreciate it until this viewing. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, like yeah. he's like straight like Dragon Ball Z. Like, Literally. you know, like... Literally. one punch man. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Uh, I just like... I know that we watched this movie the same amount of times, but right. uh, I something I would never forget uh -huh. is his pecs. Yeah, <laughs> separating. I know, dude. It's so bizarre. I really, I was like, what? Uh -huh. but it's so on brand for SpongeBob because they always exactly. they like regularly included like uh -huh. weird human body right. things, right? So the like real human body things. Uh huh. So the first half of the uh, podcast, when we were trying to think of examples of like things that don't face me or whatever, I think that'd be a perfect example. Yeah. It's not that I don't notice it, but I I don't uh, gristle or whatever I said <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, you said about gristle because the yeah. word is bristle. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um. But yeah. But uh. Again, one of the moments that I like laughed so loud when I was a kid is Patrick saying the control. I don't know why. I just was like, that's the funniest, that's Patrick's the funniest like, thing. Game recognized game. <laughs> exactly. Like, he's uh -huh. like, I'm a man. You're a man. That's impressive. It's beyond just impress, you know, because he's like, uh, you he's know, like a fan. Right. Well, and it's like a specific, there's a specificity to like, he knows the terminology yeah. or whatever, you know, and we're literally hearing uh, five, four, three, you know, and mm -hmm. I, Tom Kenny's like perfect as that or whatever. What did you say the other day, by the way? You were like, Houston, do you hear me? <laughs> that was. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't because I wasn't trying to Houston, do you have a problem? Uh -oh. Do you have a problem? <laughs> <laughs> do you have a problem? <laughs> No, it wasn't Houston. We have a problem. Um, I was being something in space. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember what it was, but I was playing a game. Sorry, sorry to to rag on you, but <clears throat> anyway, okay, Gristle. Uh, all right, Gristle. Um, so uh, he's... changing your name in my phone. Yeah, <laughs> what? Oh, to, to Gristle. Gristle. Okay, nice. <laughs> um, so they make it back just barely in time. Yeah, um, reflection off the crown. Uh huh. I, I one of the um notes that I have here is uh um the Arc du Plankton is being built in the back. Right. Um obviously when we visited France we saw the actual When we visited France. Which by the way, um mm -hmm. that art thing happened. It's like all it's all in drapes right now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For the nice. art. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I just was like, Oh nice, I know what that is now. Mm -hmm. It's uh it's an Arc du Triomphe, but it's freaking plankton is to cut out in the middle. Right. So I just thought that was funny. Um but yeah, so uh, they think that they finally made it. They're like, oh, this is so great, you know. And then um, uh, you started laughing. I don't know if you were laughing at the film or you just saw something on your phone, but you suddenly hear like a... Yeah, no, that was funny. Okay, yeah. And so and so Plankton just very smug. Why, why do you think it's funny? Because Plankton is like, everyone's like, yay, everything is mm -hmm. good. Like, all is well. And he's yeah. like, I thought, like... He's finally so confident. He's like, I've right. thought through this, even this scenario. Yeah, it's so good. So um, what he does is he tells them that he's going to be nice and 
dry under his umbrella. Ella, Ella. Uh, uh, and then we see a king size funny fast food joke. Uh-huh. Um, if that's fast food, I think it king size. Whatever. I think I think it can be fast food, McDonald's, yeah. but yeah. then also because he's King Neptune. Right. Well, yes, obviously. That's mm-hmm. anyway. King size. The ceiling opens up, and uh, now King Neptune himself is about to be brainwashed. He's about to be CB. <laughs> and what? He's about to be what? CB. What is that? Chum bucketed. Uh, okay. Because <laughs> that's what it says on it. It does. Yeah. Oh, just oh, CB. Gotcha. Um. So anyway, um. Uh, they lose. All SpongeBob, what happened? Plankton cheated. Cheated? Hold on there, Baldy. Oh, grow up. What, you think this is a game of kickball on the playground? You never had a chance to defeat me, fool. And you know why? Because you cheated? No, not because I cheated. Because I'm an evil genius. And you're just a a kid. (laughs) A stupid kid. (laughs) (laughs) Can we talk about Plankton a little bit, Morgan? Yeah, I mean, I think like... I think he's more of how probably we would feel now of like, like in in the James Bond movies and stuff that we watch, Mm -hmm. like there is no hesitation when it comes to like in adult movies of just Mm -hmm. like killing somebody. Oh, sure. You're like, yeah, I'm here to like get a job done or like, like you will not beat me. Like I will be ruthless and just like destroy you. Right. And... I feel like we don't even see that in like Marvel movies. Like they're oh, always trying yeah. to like just figure it out instead. Right. But I feel like um so like in this one, yeah. Plankton is very much like I'm not messing around. Right. Like I'm not trying to talk to you or lose. Right. Like I'm just going to take everyone over if I have to. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think that I've always um felt that Plankton the uh trope that he is, the archetype that he is um is a Bond villain. And I've always found it interesting that the superhero uh, ness of SpongeBob, that whole world, is Murray Man and Barnacle Boy. Uh-huh. Um, and you get you, your Joker types, your uh, you know whatever bad guy types uh, with their villains, Man Ray, the Dirty Bubble, and all that. Mm-hmm. But Plankton has always felt very different than that to me. He yeah. doesn't feel like a, a Lex Luthor type thing or something. He feels like I think because he's got like the because he's an evil genius and scientist mm-hmm. and stuff, he's just always felt like a Bond villain to me of like, oh, ho, ho, oh hello, right, uh, like, Mr. Bond, you know, like, like yeah. and he's going to torture you until you tell him right. what Le you want. Chief or whatever his name was. Yeah, totally. Um, do you think that he cheated? <clears throat> no. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because, like, yeah, can you cheat at being right. evil? Like, I'm not <laughs> right, sure right, that right. that's like a thing. No, I agree. I just think it's really funny. And cute. Yeah, that's yeah. Fun. I was like, well, because that's, I mean, that's play, it's playground rules. Like, I did what I was supposed to do. Right. And totally. you changed the rules. Exa- totally. Yeah. 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 Uh, you like moved the goalposts at the last minute. But, right. Um, tell me what you think of this. I just like something that I put together uh, at this point is specifically the, um, uh, would it be parallelism? Maybe it's just like, basically, he says, 
everybody has been telling SpongeBob, you're just a kid, you're just a kid, you're just a kid. And they've and up to this point, they've never compared themselves to SpongeBob. Um, they've just said, like, you can't do this because you're just a kid or I'm laughing at you because you're just a kid. But here, Plankton says, um, I win, you lose because I'm an evil genius and you're just uh, you're just a kid. Yeah. And it hit me watching it that it's like, in a sense, um, SpongeBob and Plankton are the same, but opposite because Plankton is so insecure about who he is. And so he sort of resorts to the most like um, mean, uh, cynical, evil, like way to get through life that he can. You know what I mean? Like he takes like the lower road or whatever you want to call it. I, I don't know. I just thought that that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like that. I just never I, put together that their internal conflict was the same at the start of the film. Because yeah. I think when I was a kid, I was just like, Plankton's, Plankton, he's just evil. That's right. why he's doing this. You know right. what I mean? I, I also think too, like I, for everyone else, they're like, it's implied that right. we are adults. Right. And you are a kid. Right. And we might even say like, you're just a kid. But the implication uh-huh. is that I'm an adult. Right. And like, I'm better. Right. And so Plankton wanting to be like truly evil is like, mm-hmm. I am the adult and right. you are the kid. Right. Like, just like the last nail in the coffin. Yes, totally. Uh-huh. And it with the last nail in the coffin, like salt in the wound, he even like has to like think about it in his delivery. He's like, you're just a, a kid, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just very interesting. <laughs> like SpongeBob at the start of the film wished that he was Squidward or maybe Mr. Krabs, probably Squidward. Um, and Plankton wishes that he was Mr. Krabs. But in mm-hmm. a sense, they both just want the same thing. They both want the Krusty Krab. You right. Know? Um, but- there are two. I mean, yeah, we just talked about um, this today during our lit circle discussions Mm -hmm. at school Mm -hmm. because they were comparing these two characters in the book and they were like they both started out the same and one chose to go the way of growth and the other chose to like just become more horrible Mm -hmm. i was like that's kind of what we have here yeah totally 100 percent, i think Mm -hmm. so without a doubt maybe (laughs) Pretty, pretty <laughs> <joke>. <laughs> okay um <laughs> let's see okay so this next speech i think is just so freaking epic um uh, it's it's so saccharine and sanguine i know i always mix those words up but i think that it's probably both um so on the nose and in the feels so some other third thing and this is where so i get drake. that that joke you say so drake yeah why because drake writes a lot about his feelings mm, okay Shout out to Drake. All right. Uh, let's listen to um, SpongeBob's final words before he's uh, supposedly defeated by Plankton. I guess you're right, Plankton. I am just a kid. Of course I'm right. Okay, Neptune, time to kill. And you know, I've been through a lot in the past six days, five minutes, 27 and a half seconds. And if I've learned anything during that time, it's that you are who you are. That's right. Okay, Neptune. And no amount of mermaid magic or managerial promotion or some other third thing can make me anything more than what I really am inside. A kid. That's great. Now get back against the wall. But that's okay. Right? What's going on? Because I did what everyone said a kid couldn't do. I made it to Shell City and I beat the Cyclops and 
I rode the Hasselhoff, and I brought the crown back! All right, we get the point. So, yeah, I'm a kid, and I'm also a goofball, and a wing nut, and a knucklehead McSpazitron! What's going on here? But most of all, I'm... Hey, settle down. I'm... Take it easy. I'm... What the scallop? I'm a goofy goober! This freaking song plays. So good. It's the most epic moment in all of cinematic history. It's so good. Because, like, SpongeBob is just like, the best episodes have Uh, an epic song. Yeah. And uh, this one's like the most. Yeah. But then also, um, I'm just assuming that all the men who created this show yeah. and women, yeah, like grew up during like hair band totally era, uh-huh. and and like, right, we all love it, <laughs> right, right, yeah, and it's just so fun, Mark. I think that in the um, ten plus years since Band Geeks has risen to be like a favorite for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and there's a reason that like there is that uh, petition to get it um, played at the uh, Super Bowl and all that and stuff, you know. Um, but I think that even at this point in 2004, they kind of like could could recognize like that was an epic moment. Like that is like you can never recreate that high of like hey when they were making the episode like they're just trying to find a really good like uh, high school band sounding song. Yeah. But instead found this like hair rock yeah. song and we're like we have to end the episode with this. Right. And then watching it, you're like what the heck am I watching and it's just so good perfect that it's just like the perfect ending for this film like the most you know like we're talking about Spongebob logic like he just turns into this rock star and saves the the world through the power of rock and roll like this wizard yeah it's so good and like Plankton is so funny uh huh what's going on (laughs) like yes all of his little like he's the audience acknowledging like this is weird uh huh this is not like why is this happening yeah and him like of course you are. All right, yep. come on. Yep. Uh, Neptune, let's kill, you know. Right. So so that's, it's literally me at work, like, somebody saying something like, of course. And then I'll just like, continue, <laughs> yes. like, sure, buddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. So um, we can talk some more about, about uh, our thoughts on this scene, but um, let's uh, hear Plankton's uh, demise. This job's are too righteous. The helmets can't handle this level of rock and roll. Karen, do something! Neptune, I command you! Here you go, Daddy. Hey, better get out of here. Look, it's the wizard who saved us. Out of my way, fool. That's so freaking good. This ends up getting trampled. It's... As always. It's that karma, man. As always, just like we first met him in the episode Plankton. Shout mm-hmm. out to Mark Milligan, uh, episode three of this podcast. Shout out to Squishing Him. Sw- shout out to what? Squishing Him. Squishing Him. They said Eminem. I was like, no. what does he have to do? Nothing. I'm Venom. Um, <laughs> sorry, I don't know why. <laughs> because of TikTok. Yeah, okay. Because you've been listening to me go, Venom. <laughs> no, okay. Venom, Venom. Can we can we just rant about this scene a little bit more? I feel like it's like one of the best scenes of the yeah. film and we have to give it its due diligence. Uh-huh. Um, so... Yeah, I I have a whole bunch of notes in all caps. Um, I'm a kid. I just like is like I think so epic and mm-hmm. such like a sweet, earnest like uh, message. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, what it, what is the the words? Uh, not the motto. The uh, 
the lesson that you learn. Oh, the, like the theme. The moral. The moral of the mm-hmm. story being like being a kid rules. Yeah. I just think is like it's so a very, great. It's a very you thing to get like passionate about because you always are one <laughs> for like childhood innocence is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I wish I remembered what it was like. Oh, but you remember what it was like. And it, do like, you not? Yeah. Yes and no, I yeah. think like. But you, you at least appreciate it, right? Right, yeah. But yeah. you're also very pro, like, imagination is, yes. like, the key to everything. Um, I am. But in your defense, mm-hmm. um, you constantly, in fact, literally every time that you're on this podcast, maybe not literally every time, but you bring up maybe more than anybody that the show SpongeBob is about two things. One, imagination, mm-hmm. and two, friendship. Right. And so there's something there that you specifically- mm-hmm. I love like, him, but my cold heartedness won't <laughs> let me. <laughs> no, but you like, your your heart like thaws a little bit whenever you watch this show, and especially yeah. with Patrick. Yeah, I, I think because that. he's so silly, but yeah. two, because he is like such- such a sweet friend, you know? Right. Um, and it's, I, I mean, just think that I feel like your, your thing is uh, like imagination and like being a kid is awesome. Right, right. And I feel like my thing is like friendships are like the sweetest thing. Yeah. Like, that's fair. It's like the best love. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, that's fair. I think that, um, yeah, for me it's imagination, but it's also earnestness. Right. And I think that I just like, freaking love how earnest spongebob is yeah you're a very like authenticity is the most important yes 100 yeah. percent. and and i love how earnestly spongebob loves life you know right yeah and that's like one of my hobby horses is mm-hmm. that i think that everybody like should love life not in like a naive mm-hmm. like right you know no every a glass half full type thing but just like we should be allowed to be happy about stuff right you know? and i think you're also similar to Spongebob or like I think we all maybe Mm -hmm. I think I forget a lot but I'm like I can just wake up every day and be like it's gonna be a good day yeah yeah and instead I go to bed I'm like yeah totally like I have to go to work tomorrow like Uh even though I enjoy my job I make it like right more difficult probably sometimes than it needs to be because I'm like oh yeah it's just like a lot like I know I'm gonna be tired I'm like yeah Uh uh-huh being tired is fine right Right. Yeah. And totally. And it, like, I don't think that the lesson to take from it is to like be SpongeBob or right. pretend that the world is as simple as SpongeBob thinks that it is or something. But I think that there's at least a nugget to take with you of like, yeah, there, A, there's something really sweet about um, viewing the world with those like innocent eyes. Mm-hmm. And B, um, I should reflect on how drawn I am to this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, too, it's also, like, it's not that he doesn't experience hardship. Uh-huh. He, like, experiences a wide array mm-hmm. of emotions, and he lets them, like, show. Right. And I think something, like, that everyone can learn is, like, you can experience emotions and have, like, mm-hmm. difficult, you know, arguments or, or mm-hmm. grudges with people. Mm-hmm. But then, like, when you talk about them, you actually are, cl- are closer but at the mm-hmm. end, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, and, so and you can... Not, it's not like a denial or like, I have to only be happy all the time. Totally. But uh-huh. it's like, the f- the fact that you can have emotions right. makes life right. vibrant. Right, totally. And um, you don't need to assume that SpongeBob is right all of the time, too. Right. 
because I think that in the really interesting episodes, he he isn't right and he's flawed in some way. And I think that, you know, what is um, a favorite episode for a lot of people is ripped pants. And he is like not deplorable in that, but he's completely in the wrong. Right. Like he's lying to Sandy. He's just trying to get attention. And, and he's insecure about like, will Sandy like still like me as a friend if I'm not cool like Larry or whatever? Yeah. You know? And like you're saying, he gets confronted with that. And then by the end... You know, he is closer to sanity for it. So, right. I don't know, dude. I just freaking love the earnestness. It's good. The stuff. importance of being earnest, you know? Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, <laughs> um, bye. Um, mm, oh, I know it, but I can't remember. It's not Ernest Hemingway. Uh-uh. I just am associating them because of Ernest. Uh-huh. I, I read it. I read it in high school and I thought it was uh-huh. really funny. And you've now, you saw it in Spider Man. I know, I know. Because it's about somebody like living two lives, uh-huh. which is funny because yeah. that's what he does in Spider Man. Who is it by? Um, it's by, he's really, is it Oscar Wilde? Yeah. Nice. I. Because he lived two lives. Yeah. Oh, it is. That's funny. I just remember writing a summary of it in high school and saying that. It's so funny uh, that you read it in high school. It's not like a common text to read. Well, it was one of those assignments where we got to pick mm. something. And I I think that it was Kenny told me that he thought that I would like it. Um, and I read it and sure enough, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember writing a summary of it where I said, um, uh, what, what, what was the exact phrasing? It was, uh. The importance of being earnest is a play on words. And I just was like so proud of myself. You were, you were like, I am a god. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were like, my teacher's going to be looking forward to cracking up. <laughs> Gosh. Isn't it sad that we're not going to talk to each other after we finish this podcast? What? I'm just kidding. I, that came out a lot sadder. I, is that I meant your it as like no, I meant it talk? as like a silly like. Of course we would talk, like, not on the podcast. But when the words came out of my mouth, I'm like, oh no, oh no, <laughs> our, our marriage, our marriage, <laughs> it's broken. I didn't mean for it to sound like that. Sorry, everybody. Um, anyway, uh, the importance of being earnest is a play on words. Uh, yes. So last thing, just on Goofy Goober Rock. Oh, I guess a couple things. Um, that he defeats them with the power of rock and roll. It's just mm-hmm. so awesome. And you know? literally, I kept saying to you, like, this mm-hmm. is just like the darkness. Yeah, what? What? Are we, what, what? So they have a music video, uh-huh. and I'm sure it's a reference to something else. <laughs> sure. But I know it from yeah. the darkness, but yeah. it's the, I believe in a thing called love. Oh, yeah, yeah, Music yeah. video, uh-huh. and it literally yeah. is this. Well, okay, well, let me look it up, because I've never, I forgot I to look it up after you. Love. I believe in a thing called love. Uh, the darkness. By the darkness. Because it very you well have could. have to watch the music video. So obviously, I'll at least scrub through it. We can watch it in full after this maybe. But um, it's, it's so the song obviously is a parody of um, I Want to Rock. Yeah. I Want to Rock. Or whatever, you know. Yeah, which maybe um, that's what this is referencing too. But, like, he literally, yeah. Oh, he, like, shoots lasers out of his yeah, guitar. Yeah, because there's, like, this squid on oh, top. Oh, yeah, and yeah, And then yeah, it's, yeah. like, even the outfit. Totally. And he's, like, wearing this yeah. headband. So it's certainly a reference to the, like, the genre and feel at the very least. But I would not be surprised if it was an explicit reference. Or at least inspiration it for can't, I don't think it's from this. Like, when was this even made? The, well, I mean... Uh, well, I guess YouTube. 
it's does it say 2003 huh for some reason i thought it would have been way older than that but no because i think like 2003 so it would have been while they were working on the film yeah because i i remember what like when this came on like the top 100 countdown like uh my brother and i used to watch this in the morning or whatever before we went to school Uh i remember being like I don't think I'm supposed to be watching this because oh, there really? is like kind of it's like yeah. kind of sexual like it's right. like a deep cut or right, whatever right, right. and there's like gyrating and stuff. Yeah, I remember being like, I don't think I'm supposed to watch this, but yeah. I guess I would have been like eight. Uh huh. So, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right. checked out. Yeah, it does. It does. But That's I, funny. I mean, I love that song, uh, but I never bothered to look into like what is right. it referencing. Oh sure, yeah. Because I think as a kid, I was like, wow, this is an original idea. But now looking at it, you're like, this is obviously. I mean, it's probably just about sex, right? I feel like every rock song is just No, I thought I thought maybe it was referencing like a now looking back, I'm like yeah. maybe it's referencing like a movie or like a oh, specific Oh, I see what you're saying. You yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. No, like the actual yes, music. That video. is the moral of the, the yeah. song. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I just like a anyway. Um <laughs> like I just took my first like film class or something. <laughs> uh I've got something to say. <laughs> yeah. I think it's about sex. <laughs> and then you, you like look around like looking forward to cracking up <laughs> um so a couple more things the animation of this is funny uh this isn't a um well so i wrote down this is just like the darkness video but then this isn't a thing that morgan said but she just went ha with um spongebob spinning around or the globe spinning around and it was spongebob yeah <laughs> like the stop motion yeah. that just like it was got good. her you know yeah um, i forgot about it so that's why it yeah uh-huh. on my list i love that he jumps off the globe and then floats down into a ufo and there's an alien for no reason right. there's never been aliens in spongebob right but, but that's the darkness video totally yeah so you're <laughs> it probably is maybe i don't it's know it's totally not um maybe they're probably referencing the same thing no that yeah that could be too but um but then uh on my list again of scenes that i like cried laughing at <laughs> when i was uh nine years old was um the like added part in this song where he sticks his tongue out and uh and then spongebob in like an all-white suit does like a scat song or whatever mm-hmm. um I just freaking lost it, and I and I still giggle every time mm-hmm. that I watch Dude, it. Dude, it's the Blues Brothers. Yeah, totally. Howdy, 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 yo. Uh huh. Um. So, so that was very good. Um. And then, uh, it's just amazing, all of it. Um, all of it. There's just so many SpongeBob. <laughs> there's so many SpongeBob isms, like uh, a picture of a rock, and then the word mm-hmm. rock coming up. You yeah. know, stuff like that. Um, just like SpongeBob doing the worm, and then yeah. him like pulling his sunglasses down, looking at Patrick, and like these like fishnets yeah. and like yeah. high heels or whatever yeah. and stuff, you know. Um, but then I just wrote down like Plankton's line of "I better get out of here" yeah. is a really good line and a really good conclusion, right? Because he goes, he's like, from, I've been defeated. Yeah, this like megalomaniac to like it's almost as if he's like. If I'm lucky, we can just go back to the status quo, right. like at the end of every episode. Right. I'm just going to run back, you know. Yeah, I'll to just the... see you guys later. Thanks. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, one other thing from a scene prior that I forgot to shout out is I just think that the animation on All Hail Plankton and they burst through the glass is so well animated. Mm-hmm. And it's such like a beautifully rendered, like um, a Dawn of the Dead-esque scene. Yeah. But anyway, so um, SpongeBob saves everybody with his awesome, like, power of rock and roll. Um, I also can't decide, like, it's like the next part of the hero's journey would be atonement. Okay. And I'm like, 
Does it come like when he's talking to Mr. Krabs? Right. Atonement. So can you can you describe atonement some? Like what? It's like it's like making amends or yeah. like like paying for a wrong. Right. So I'm like, but So what? He doesn't really commit a wrong other than arrogance. Right. Like I wonder the closest he gets to a wrong, I feel in the beginning, it would be either arrogance mm-hmm. or um he really bad mouths Mr. Krabs at the start mm-hmm. um, and almost gets him killed, you know? Um, I don't know. So Okay, so then maybe that would be the atonement then is he saves Mr. Krabs. Yeah. Yeah. Can the atonement be the same thing as like the, the goal or whatever if the... No, that'd be the transformation. The transformation. Um, slash well, so is, slash coming, coming back with the prize. Right. Um. So I guess, yeah, the prize... The prize is the crown, and his atonement is saving Mr. Crab's life, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the transformation, for sure, is that he learns um, to be himself. Right. You know, by Being the end of this. Being a kid is okay. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, like, maybe we'll talk about this more in a little bit, but um, he... Uh, Derek Dryman, when he was doing a Q and a, uh, like 10 years or something after this movie, probably more. Um, and he was talking about the hero's journey or whatever. Um, and he was talking about like the status quo and he, he made a slightly like self-deprecating joke of like, you know, usually by the end of the movie, your character needs to change, but we had the challenge of like, if we still want to do more shows, like we can't change SpongeBob that much, you know, but he kind of was like, I think that we pulled it off. All right. Or whatever. But I would almost like disagree with Derek, assuming that I'm hearing him correctly in that. Like, I think that they really did pull it off where SpongeBob does change, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, for the most part, the status quo is all still there. Um, in my head canon, I've always just thought that even though that they like pick SpongeBob back up for a season four and so on in my head canon, this is like the definitive end to the series because there is no Krusty Krab two in the rest of the show, you know, um, obviously it doesn't hold a very strict canon, uh, like episode to episode, but, um, so there's like kind of a status quo change there, but in internally, at least SpongeBob like learns a real significant question about himself. And I feel like it's palpable. Like, the transformation that SpongeBob goes through, but would you agree? Yeah, and I, I mean, the way that they changed him was just to make him more SpongeBobby. Right. Totally. Yeah. Like, uh huh. He's just more going right. to be like, I am a kid, and that's awesome. Right. Like, I'm gonna keep like right living life to the fullest right. and like doing right by others, and right. I'm just gonna keep like having fun and right. So I feel like they just yeah. made him more SpongeBob. Uh-huh. And it like it's not it's not as heavy as like a finding Nemo or something, which right. is like I've learned to trust my dad. Yeah. Or I've learned to like let uh, my son trust, wander. Yeah, let my son wander and cope with the tragic, awful of my wife. massacre of my wife or whatever, you know. It's not anything super heavy like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that it's still totally there. You I know? think I think it's also good because I mean Kids watching this movie, you know, their age ranges, Mm -hmm. but everyone eventually asks themselves the question of like, am I accepted or acceptable? Uh And so I think something good to acknowledge. And also I think it's like 
a plea. Yeah. I mean, now that we're old. Yeah, yeah. I look I look at kids and I'm like, just stay a kid right. for like as long as possible. Right. Totally. Yeah. Like, Especially because when you're a kid, you're tempted to like grow, grow up, up really quickly. Fast. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. So. But we've been to the beach that makes you old. And guess what? All we got was old. <laughs> All we got was old. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. My beach that makes you old. <laughs> so yeah. My bones are breaking. <laughs> My skin is made of paper. <laughs> Only other quick notes is that SpongeBob looks so good in the costume that he has by the end of the music video. Um, and uh, I I wish Sandy was in this more, but I always uh, get goosebumps from her. Yeehaw! So when she cute. gets freed. Yeah, very, very cute. So um, let's hear what Plankton's last lines are ever. Come on, I was just kidding. <laughs> Come on, you guys knew that, didn't you? With the helmets and the big monuments. <laughs> Wasn't that hilarious, everybody? <laughs> I want to destroy all of you! Very short clip, but I think it's it very just, funny. He sounds a little bit like Donald Trump sometimes. Oh my gosh, how so? Just just like... I was just Just like kidding. with the helmets and the... <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 like, yeah. Oh, yeah. is that Donald Trump? Uh, I, I can see that. Oh, that's funny. Um, a man who has towers all over yeah. the world. I was, I was just kidding with overthrowing the government. I was kidding anyway. with destroying democracy. Sorry to get political, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Institution for the Criminal tiny is what's on his little like yeah um and it's thing. a padded it's a padded thing like yeah. they're like oh he needs some rehabilitation yes like. uh-huh so funny little batman reference or whatever you know he's going to his version of arkham or whatever yeah. um but i just wrote down i will destroy all of you is a great last line yeah for plankton because it's know? like he's not changing he's not cha- he he's hasn't gonna changed go, he's gonna go get his revenge he's mm-hmm. gonna go I was born in the dark. <laughs> Molded by he does kind of sound like Bane, doesn't he? I'm insisting these three characters seem to <laughs> huh. be sounding the same. I now Maybe give it's just the like city back to you. That kind of accent or something. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, um, so at at this point, the SpongeBob music kicks back in and it's just like so sweet and delightful. It's just the ukulele or whatever. It just feels like a song that you would hear in the show, which maybe could feel like very um anticlimactic. But to me, like I was just like, yeah, we've returned like back home again. Mm-hmm. It like even the music has gone from movie music right. back to just like it's and the end of an episode. You know, It's so typical like hero's journey to mm-hmm. be like you go on this soul changing thing mm-hmm. and you get back and everything's the same like, like what were you gonna say go ahead oh i was just gonna say like plankton is still yeah, yeah, going yeah. to be plankton uh-huh. mr Krabs will still be cheap yeah squidward will still be apathetic yeah, like yeah, yeah. All, all of these things will still be the same and they're uh-huh. going to like typically they like look at you the same right i mean obviously here they like acknowledge that like spongebob is right big enough to be the totally manager. yeah but they're still essentially like uh-huh. you're still our spongebob totally uh-huh and i think that you know um we're about to get to like the credits or whatever but they basically show that in the right. like cute the, painted mm-hmm. photos that they have both in that spongebob's just being spongebob right he's doing these like menial tasks like he's like scraping gum from off the bottom of a table and stuff and he's just got the biggest smile with this stupid giant hat that's his manager on it right but then also there's even like i can't remember is he like 
scrubbing Mr. Krabs' feet at one point or something like that. He's doing something in one of the photos where he's literally like still like um uh you know uh is the word servile like he's like um beneath Mr. Krabs. Yeah. Still. I'm yeah. gonna look servile is that a word? I don't I don't know off the top of it's Friday. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um like servile. Oh. Oh. Servile. Yeah. Having or showing an excessive uh, willingness to serve others. I don't like servile. Anyway, subservient. That's what I was trying to think. Oh, I was like, I just yeah. laughed at like, he's literally still subservient to Mr. Krabs. Like he right. still works for Mr. Krabs. Right. But in his mind, he's like, but now I'm yeah. manager, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's still just SpongeBob. Right. You know? So, um, and you know, I'd be lying if, if I uh, said that when I was a kid, I, I wasn't like kind of curious and excited to be like, will we get to see him be the manager in the show or whatever, you know? Right. But I think it's fun too that we just kind of go back to pre-movie or the whatever. The huge, um, yeah. The huge, but... Um, so anyway, are you ready, Morgan, to hear how this film and SpongeBob SquarePants ends? Yes. May I say, sir, you are a very lucky fellow to have in your employ such a brave, faithful, and heroic young lad. Where is he, anyway? I'm up here. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> Go to him now, Krabs. Embrace him. SpongeBob, me boy! I'm sorry I ever doubted ye. That's a mistake I won't make again. Oh, Mr. Krabs, you old soft serve. And now, SpongeBob, I'm gonna do something that I should have done six days ago. Mr. Squidward, front and center, please! I think we all know who rightfully deserves to wear that manager pin. I couldn't agree more, sir. Hooray for SpongeBob! Wait a second, everybody. There's something I need to say first. I just don't know how to put it. I think I know what it is. After going on your life-changing journey, you now realize you don't want what you thought you wanted. What you really wanted was inside you all along. Are you crazy? I was just going to tell you that your fly is down. Manager, this is the greatest day of my life. I still get goosebumps every time Dude, I hear it. We li- listeners. We listen to Ocean Man regularly. Yeah. This is we just do. a part of Uh-huh. The car music. It's just such a good song. If you could see us, we're bobbing. It reminds me of Shrek. Oh yeah, it does have a little like, bit of like Shrek it's very though. like how Fiona dances with uh-huh. her hands. You know? <laughs> oh, oh, the bop again. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But even yeah, I mean it's just very yeah early two thousands. Yes, very early two thousands. Um, the perfect song to end it. Uh, this is the last mm-hmm. time the listeners will hear me repeat something that I said in the trivia, but. Steven Hillenberg listened to this album uh, while he was working on creating the show. So it feels just like full circle. You know, right. we actually wrote a song on the show. They wrote a uh, loop-de-loop to yeah. teach SpongeBob how to tie his shoes. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, full circle that, you know, we would close on. Yeah. Um, Ocean Man, one of the uh, other works of art that inspired this one. So Makes you cry. Oh, man, it does make me want to cry. Mm-hmm. But I won't. Or maybe I will. I don't know. We'll see. 
also think like that was a good pregnant pause. It's so it's so funny. Like um, Squidward gives like mm-hmm. the typical like, like right you know right. It was I'm, it was I'm inside doing of an you all analysis along. Right. of this film and uh-huh. it's what was inside you all along. Right, like, right. You don't actually because that's like the typical totally. ending. The journey was the friends we made along the way. Exactly. Or yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and he's like. No, dum dum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is why he's like still so SpongeBob. Exactly, and it's such a SpongeBob ending to end on undercutting something that Squidward said. <laughs> you know, right? Like, yeah, and dude, just like the frame of him, like this is the best day of my life, right? And then him just like freeze frame jumping in the air is just so and freaking good. Like the third song they play, uh huh, is best day ever. Yeah, uh huh. Classic. Uh, yeah, you like it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so freaking good. So, so good. So, yeah, let's see. Quickly, before we recap the whole film, SpongeBob, Spinning SpongeBob, LMAO, and Patrick so walking. Ha, 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 ha. It's I have so written good. down. It's very, like, I'm like, yeah, I have friends <laughs> where, like, we both play those roles. Yeah. I'm, I'm, like, I'm I, up I, here. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, the, I'm on it. And, it, dude, the sound of his high heels and, like, his walk, they, like, just commit so hard to it. It's, it's, like, so he, funny. it's like he walks in them regularly. Yeah. Uh-huh. But then I... I am a sucker for like, you know, uh, I love, I know it's not a perfect film, but the first Captain America, there's a point where Bucky Barnes goes, let's hear it for Captain America. And they all cheer him like, yeah. Or in Spider-Man, uh, the first, the t- first Tobey Maguire one, mm-hmm. where they're like, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Right. Let's hear it for Spider-Man. Yeah. I like love that stuff. So to hear somebody go, hooray for SpongeBob. Like as yeah. a kid, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you know, it happened. It happened. We love SpongeBob. Um, I have written down Morgan laughed at. I think I know what it is. Oh, Squidward. Yeah. You laughed at Squidward. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. And then Morgan said out loud is the last thing that Morgan said out loud is it's so cute. It <laughs> so, is. Um, it's a precious ending. Yeah, manager. This is the greatest day of my life. And it's like, um, it's kind of nice that it ends without much of like a big uh-huh. like. Right. It's like. I don't know. It just ends nicely because yeah. normally I feel like those endings could be really drawn out, like right, what's totally. gonna do. Uh huh. And like, so you, I, I'm always like, oh gosh, I right. don't have SpongeBob gives some like heartfelt, like totally ending meant or something. Right, but. right. I know it's genius, like the writing, because he had the he, like we got that out of the way before Goofy Goober Rock, you know. Yeah. With his like, you're right. I am a kid yeah. and a wingnut and a knucklehead makes spazitron. And he says all that stuff. And now he gets to just like just go back to like being SpongeBob right. or whatever, you know? And we let like they they just are so good at knowing like, well, we need the saccharine thing said here, but we can still do it in a way that doesn't feel too like on the nose. Yeah. And we can undercut it and keep it funny and like keep the pace up, you know. Right. Both with the sad stuff, especially like when they're about to die, and with like all like the you know, more inspirational stuff or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they even do that with Plankton, like, what's going on here? Like, as he's delivering this speech or whatever, right. you know. So, yeah, that to, to have Squidward be the one to deliver it. Also just sweet that, like, we see the tiniest arc with Squidward to where by the end he's like, he just loves SpongeBob. And he's mm-hmm. like, SpongeBob just saved my life. And, like, you deserve to be manager, SpongeBob, right. you know. Saved his paycheck. Sa- well, saved his paycheck. I, I like to think. And I'm just kidding. That Squidward genuinely is, like, grateful for I think, SpongeBob. I think, um, per usual, like, mm-hmm. the way we see Squidward operate mm-hmm. is 
something bad starts to happen to right. SpongeBob and he gets really worried totally. for him. Totally. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. it truly is. It's like having annoying kid neighbors or something. Right. And you're right. like, ugh. Totally. But then as soon as they're not there, like they go uh-huh. quiet, you're like, what is everything okay? Totally. Gosh, it's so good. So anyway, I think that's the last of my notes on like the ending. Um, only other thing is like, like you said, it's not this super drawn out thing because they're like, and now it's SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. Like we know what we are. This is like a big Catch episode up, yeah. of SpongeBob and the episode's over, but mm-hmm. were you about to say something? I was just going to say like, we're almost 30. Oh gosh. Because I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking about like some of like our takeaways and stuff yeah. and I'm like, I'm sure they would have been different as kids. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, oh, uh-huh. we're able to reflect on like right these things that we wouldn't have. Right. Even like, you know. Yeah. Six years ago. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just interesting. It is super interesting. And I hope that other people like feel that too, because um, I think, you know, in design college, they told us like, don't be the the designer that every time you make a project, you're like, my target audience is other people like me. But um, this podcast, that is exactly who the target audience is. Or at the very (laughs) least, like, well, no, that's not true. At the very least, like, I knew that, like, this this podcast will probably appeal most to people our age, um, and specifically people who maybe aren't that into animation, but just love Spongebob and have a, a memory of it, mm-hmm. um, and would enjoy, like, revisiting that or whatever, you know. And so my guess is that most of the people listening to this episode, even, are thinking the same things. A, um, the fear that just struck my heart, maybe struck theirs of, I'm almost 30. <laughs> um, and B... I'm like, yeah, that is wild. Like, I, I do pull so much, like, unique stuff from this from... Mm-hmm. Well, because it's yeah. like, you know, I think maybe the thing that people our age grapple with is, like, that no longer a child mm-hmm. and no longer is it acceptable to be immature. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. that that means, like, you have to know everything. Right. And, like, do right. everything correctly. Right. But it's just, like you are now the functional adult Mm -hmm. and that is like a really good thing and something to embrace. Mm -hmm. But it also doesn't mean like that you know, I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like, let's see. I think that I, I feel much more strongly now about like, we need to, you know, protect childhood Mm, mm -hmm. and so i think that that's something that i wouldn't have normally thought about watching Mm. a spongebob movie right but i'm just like oh like we really should like really protect that time Mm -hmm. and cherish it because it's good that it goes away Mm -hmm. but it's also like something i don't know i don't know what i'm saying no i know what you're saying there's like something sacred and good about it yeah i just feel like spongebob has encapsulated that in this movie. Mm-hmm. That was wonderful. Love it. Love it. Um. Well, Morgan, we've made it. We did. We did it. We've we've gone to the surface and back, and we've covered all original sixty shows and the movie of SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm still gonna record like a little end to the episode or whatever you know. Um. But would you like any final words to the mm. listeners? I mean, it's been good times. I I feel like I never deserved to be on the podcast because oh. I, I was a casual viewer of mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Even though I watched it a million times. As much as I did, As yeah. much uh-huh. as you did. Right. Um, I feel like it still was fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I was saying, like I feel like I got more out of it than I anticipated. But I think that's also partly because I'm like learning that uh, I can enjoy things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I, I Something to know about me <laughs> is uh, I don't let myself experience joy. <laughs> Over just anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the only thing I I ever like let myself like geek out about would uh-huh. be like K-pop stuff. Sure. Like BTS stuff. I'm like, yeah. oh, they like made me so happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I'm just like the su- like today I was in my car just like screaming like the sunrise is so pretty. I was like, yeah. look at it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, I yeah. think it was similar with SpongeBob where I was mm. like, I enjoy this, and now I'm like, oh, this is actually really like. It's nice yeah. to just enjoy something that, you know, other people yeah. might deem as like, that's that's cringy that you're watching that or whatever. Right. I'd be like, well, it's nice. Yeah. Not everything has to be so deep. It's not It's not that deep. could also just be, uh, you know, I'm an English major <laughs> and everything has yeah. to be sad. Oh, sure. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it, Morgan. Don't, don't mm-hmm. tell yourself short. I'm excited for when you start your own Shrek podcast. Dude. (sighs) (laughs) Everybody, let's give it up for Morgan. You got to do it like the Jonas Brothers. (laughs) You got to do it like the Jonas Brothers. Well, how do they do it? I'll distinctly remember Kevin like mimicking the crowd. Like how it sounds like, wow. Oh, yeah. There's a, a lot of woo girls in there, right? Dude, I am such a woo girl. Yeah. And I know there's a negative meaning to that, mm. but I'm a I'm the positive meaning. The positive of meaning a of, a woo, of a woo girl. All right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening uh, to Absorb in Yellow, the podcast where Morgan talks. And you listen. <laughs> Bye, Morgan. Bye. All right. That's, that's all. That's it. That's all, folks. That's the show. Um, so I'm going to run through a few, uh, few quick thank yous, and then I'm going to give my final thoughts on the SpongeBob SquarePants, and then we'll call it a podcast. So first, I just want to say thanks to a few people. Thank you to all the musical artists that I've sampled on the show, um, especially specifically Sage Guyton, Jeremy Wakefield, Steve Belfer, and Nick Carr. Uh, the latter two wrote the SpongeBob closing theme that you hear at the end of every episode. Thank you to Nickelodeon for being cool. Um, obviously, this whole podcast is made under you know commentary, fair use, and all that. But um, nonetheless, I appreciate uh, Nickelodeon. Thanks for being cool, bro. Um, thank you to Tom Heinches of Hogan's Alley Magazine for writing the incredible oral history of SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, I doubt I could have done this podcast to the extent that I did um, without that incredible work of journalism. Thank you to anyone um, who has ever contributed to the SpongeBob fan wiki, as I obviously pulled a ton from there every single week. Um, you are all the unnamed heroes of the Ethernet, and we salute you. Uh, thank you to Steven Hillenburg for making Spongebob Squarepants. You know, it's funny. um, I used to be really sad (laughs) that I would never get the chance to um, thank Steve um, myself after he passed. Um, But, you know, when I was doing research for this podcast and I was listening to that Tom Wilson interview with Steve, um, he ends by saying, on behalf of me and all of the fans, thank you. And as corny as this sounds, you know, hearing that in that moment... 
I like felt some peace, you know, like, oh, sick. Like I did get to say thank you. So on top of that one, thanks Steven Hillenberg and thanks Tom Wilson um, for getting that thank you to Steve. Thank you to all of the OG SpongeBob crew members who have so graciously interacted with me and other fans online answering questions or just um, sharing in our revelry for SpongeBob. That, of course, includes Sherm Cohen, Chris von Schneider, and a whole bunch of others. And most of all, the GOAT, Jay Lender. A huge special thank you to Jay Lender. I still cannot fathom the fact that I got to have you on the podcast. So seriously, man, it was so incredibly cool of you, and I cannot thank you enough. So thanks. Thank you to all of my friends that appeared on the podcast, especially um, to two people in particular. Big thank you to Sarah Wadka and Mark Milligan. You two were some of the most faithful fans, and it was so fun um, getting to have you collaborate so frequently or just get texts from you throughout the week uh, of your thoughts on the most recent episodes, you know, or just being corrected by something <laughs> uh, by Mark. Um, you were constantly super encouraging. Um, like, I don't think I would have ever reached out to Jay were it not for you two pushing me to do so. Um, and the podcast was just more fun um, having gotten to have you be a part of it. So thanks. And then the biggest thank you goes to my wife and best friend, Morgan. Um, Sorry, everyone, this is going to get a little sappy for a minute. Uh, But Morgan, thank you for being the coolest, funniest person ever, for being so supportive of all my dumb hobbies um, and for even jumping in on some of them. And and thank you for buying me that journal last year. Um, When I wasn't doing well, mental health wise, you bought me a journal to help me reflect on my days and process everything that I was going through. And after putting it off for a couple of months, I finally filled it out. Um, It had me write down the highlights and lowlights of every month of the past year. And doing that, I realized that my highlights were all consistently either helping people or doing something creative. And yet I consistently gave um, next to no energy and thought to those things and all of my energy and thought um, to all the things that were bumming me out. So realizing that and realizing, you know, like what a stupid way to live, (laughs) um, that realization um, was just the push I needed to finally just pull the trigger and make the freaking podcast. So thank you. Then finally, one last thank you to me. Just kidding. (laughs) What if that's how I ended the podcast? No, no, of course. My last thank you is to you, the listener. Thank you so much for joining me on this deep dive. It's been so fun. Like I've said a number of times, I made this podcast with the conviction that, you know, I would just make it for me um, and I wouldn't care if anybody else listened to it. But that said, I super love that people do listen to it. Uh, It's an honor and a humbling one that anyone would care um, to listen to my ramblings uh, of all things SpongeBob. So uh, if you want to see or hear whatever my next project is, whenever I figure that out, easiest way um, is probably just to um, follow me on uh, my YouTube channel. You can find that by going to youtube.com slash spamrobots or just searching Sam uh, on YouTube. It's HNG. It's a thing. It doesn't matter. Uh, most of those videos, um, are probably really old and honestly probably suck, but if you want a good one, start with Garrett's shoulder or, uh, how to do it in a hammock. Those are probably the best or don't maybe just don't watch them. Anyway, um, either's fine. If you catch me on my next project, awesome. But if not, thank you for listening. And Hey, while I have your ear, um, for just one minute more, um, I just want to give you one last message. This might get cheesy for a minute, um, but just let it happen. It's fine. And I mean all of it. You, listener, you are a person. You're a person built with inherent dignity and awesomeness, and the world is better for having you in it. If you feel that, 
then I say, hell yeah, dude. But if you don't, do not hesitate, please, to reach out to a friend or see a counselor. It's not weird. To quote one Patrick Starr, sometimes we have to go deep inside ourselves to solve our problems. And hey, while you're doing that, Look around and help somebody else. Get to know your neighbor, volunteer at your local school, and figure out how you can help out your corner of the universe and then do it. And then last thing, listener, you are super creative. And I know you're like, you don't know me, you know, and you're right. I I don't know you probably, but I don't care, you know, if you're into art or music or I don't know, taxes, (laughs) whatever. By the fact that you are a human, uh, I know that you're probably super creative in your own unique way. And if you're like me and your hobbies kind of naturally lean into your creativity and you've been thinking about, you know, um, making some thing or starting some project, this here, this is a sign from the universe. Just do it. Make the thing. Start the idea and then don't stop till it's done. You rock. Okay. Sorry. I know, this is a Spongebob podcast. Get back to Spongebob. Here are my final thoughts on Spongebob Squarepants. I love this show, man. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so nice. The show rules. It's one of the most you know influential things on TV in, I don't know, the past 30 years ever. I think it's fair to say that it has shaped the humor of a generation more than anything else. And it's just so freaking good. It deserves you know all those titles and all the other ones that it has. I just love Spongebob so much. And I have always known, you know, that there's just something about this show that's just different. Like, the idea of doing a podcast at all just kind of naturally evolved from, you know, obviously loving it growing up to then in high school constantly being the guy that's like, no, but have you guys, like, thought about how insanely good that show is? To then in college and beyond constantly thinking, like, this is a super underappreciated form of pop art in its highest form and look i know like that sounds super hyperbolic like it's literally one of the most popular cartoons of all time but on a cultural anthropological level it's just like well past time that we as a nation acknowledge how incredible and influential this show is and recognize it for the artistic and cultural juggernaut that it is but you know what who cares if it's popular right It's just good, man. It's the best show ever. So here's your final assignment, listeners. Go watch SpongeBob. Go watch an episode today, maybe a random one from season one or something, and then just let that innocent kid part of your heart stay. SpongeBob rules. All right. Thanks again. My name is Sam Roberts signing off for the last time. This has been Absorbent and Yellow, a SpongeBob Deep Dive, the podcast where me and my friends talked about the making of and our admiration for SpongeBob SquarePants. See ya! See you later, Brand Flakes! What a nice cereal box! <laughs>